brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the movie review podcast where we review movies. And it's it's th- a movie review podcast. And we, and we do that, and then there's an explosion sound effect because we have one. Hello, my name is William Bibiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a critic. I don't have a cute nickname. I don't need one. Uh, you, you can just hurl insults at me. That's fine. All right, and uh, this week... On Critically Acclaimed, you're reviewing some new movies. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, mm. Believe it or not, there was more than one movie that came out last week. Uh, we got the latest installment in the Avengers series. Um, film number 28 in the series. Yeah. And uh, when that happens, other films tend not to open. Uh, yeah. Because they do big business and nobody wants to sort of try to compete. But by God, there were other films, and we will be talking about them. We're going to be reviewing, in addition to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we're going to be reviewing the new releases. We're all going to the World's Fair, The Twin, Marmaduke, and Happening. And uh, a little teaser here, uh, one of the films that we're talking about on this week's show probably going to end up on my best films of the year list like a really good chance can't can't wait to hear about marmaduke it's Um, early in the year but marmaduke is just (laughs) clearing house oh my god he farted and i died with joy (laughs) there was a a headline in the onion uh, a a long time ago it was about a decade ago but it was like uh some old fart still churning out marmaduke (laughs) 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 yeah that's Mar- that's Mar- what the kids are clamoring for. Please, we need please, Hollywood, give us more Marmaduke. Look, it's been ten years since Owen Wilson we charmed uh, the world with Marmaduke. How we, could you resist the urge to give us more Marmaduke? If we can't have that family circus movie that we've all been aching for, not one Heathcliff. This we had a show, a Heathcliff TV series. I'm, I'm not in the movie. No, no. We need a Heathcliff. I don't know if you've been paying attention to uh, Heathcliff the comic strip. Uh, Heathcliff, the comic strip, has become quietly brilliant. Like, it's mm, weird like it, it's, and surreal now. It's, yeah, it's become this kind of exercise in absurdism. Yeah, I kind of admire the shit mm. out of Heathcliff now. And if you're mm. not reading Heathcliff, I do recommend reading Heathcliff. There's a, there's a strip where Heathcliff is driving a car, but the car is in the shape of a ham. Uh-huh. And he's wearing a helmet that says ham on the helmet. Just in case you and weren't clear. And there's yeah. two birds sitting on a branch looking at Heathcliff driving the ham car and the ham helmet. And the, the punchline is something like, hmm, ham. And that's, <laughs> and that's, like, it's that level. That's what we're yeah. dealing with with Heathcliff these there's days. A, there's a level of genius here. So I'm going to make a recommendation here. Uh, because we're going to talk about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And in order to talk about it properly, we'll have to go into some plot stuff that some people might not want. Let's mm. end with that. Uh, fine, fine. Start with Marmaduke. Let's start. We we already we already popped the cork on Marmaduke. <laughs> Tell me about Marmaduke. Let's talk about Marmaduke. Marmaduke is a new animated movie that is on Netflix. 
It is based on a long-running comic strip called Marmaduke. Here's the plot of Marmaduke. Family has big dog. Yes. Uh, it was uh, created by uh, a guy named Brad Anderson. Uh, he died in 2015. He was in his 90s. He did Marmaduke yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Refused uh, to refused to think, relinquish Marmaduke. I think he started sharing uh, artistic duties no, with other artists. I, I know that's true of a lot of straps. Like, yeah. Um, uh, Jim Davis doesn't do every detail of Garfield. No, he'll do. Like, he's still involved, but he yeah. writes it and he does thumbnails. But a lot of like the inking and coloring now goes out to like yeah. a team. Like he, a lot of artists work on Garfield. Yeah, exactly. Um, like a lot of the, a lot of like the mainstays mm-hmm. have now been sort of filtered through yeah. different uh, different people. Some of them yeah, are code on. I mean, okay. First of all, uh, newspapers were this thing. <laughs> no, the the. The funnies Just, are the, something the funnies, that we don't uh, talk are, about anymore, unfortunately, I, which is I a guess, shame. I mean, comic strips are still out there. They're still produced mm. by the score, but the idea of having them condensed into a single section of the newspaper is mm. kind of this moribund idea. Yeah. But uh, when you're a kid and your parents are reading the news, that's too dry for you as a child. Yeah. So you want to go straight to the funnies. And it's comic strips, a whole slew of them in all different genres. Most of them were humorous. Some of them mm. were uh, like soap operas. Some of them were soap operas. Then there was, of course, the weird Mark Trail no, there's like a few adventure comics in there. No, as Mark well. Trail was never in it. Mark Trail was like two, two, two panels of adventure. Mm. I was like, hi, I'm Mark Trail. Oh no! And then one panel, which was, mm. did you know that wood ticks can eat their <laughs> can eat their body weight and blood every day? And then like the next day, it would be Mark Trail going, oh no, over there. Did you know that wood ticks like it just there was a uh, um... it's always wood ticks for some reason. I remember they brought back Dick Tracy when the movie came out. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I, yeah. I think it was, like, new Dick Tracy, too. Like, it was drawn in the old style. I it was, could, like, new. I was a kid. I couldn't tell the, you. the joke in the Dick Tracy newspaper strip was Dick, they're making a Dick Tracy movie in the strip. Oh, that's but fine. But they asked Dick they Tracy done, to play like, Dick Tracy movies and serials before, so it could oh, yeah, have been yeah. before, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I grew up reading funnies. I love the funnies. Um, mm. you know, I was always a, a big fan of the far side. I was a big Garfield guy. Um, everybody loved Calvin and Hobbes. I love mm. Calvin and Hobbes too. Uh, I, I liked the, the stranger ones, um, you know, Bloom County and The Neighborhood, uh, more than things like uh, Kathy or the sitcom yeah, ones. I grew up with uh, far side. Calvin mm. and Hobbes was my jam. Calvin mm. and Hobbes is a very formative experience for me uh, mm. as a child. Um but um, yeah, I live for the funnies. The funnies yeah. were great. Even the bad funnies were still pretty good. And so, uh, yeah, there's the, a great, uh, great speech. I think it's in the movie Go. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, the, the movie. Timothy Oliphant has this. Speech yeah, Timothy Oliphant is Family the, Circus uh, and how he likes to go read the funnies and he will never give it up. But it's always a, always going to be a disappointing experience overall because in the bottom right hand corner, <clears throat> excuse me, of the two page funny spread uh-huh. is Bill Keen's Family Circus, and he says it's always like, waiting there to suck. Yeah, it's like it's it's, it's laying in uh, it's down there in the corner waiting to suck was the line of dialogue. And the best part uh, is they had to run that by Bill Keen. <laughs> <laughs> they had to ask permission to to specifically reference the comic strip like that. Mm-hmm. To his, to their credit, they said fine. Yeah. yeah to their he, credit, they were cool. And so I will. Bill, I will we Bill give King Family Circus like the, so much. Family Circus sucks, by the way. But it's, like, it's I will, like the, I'll the, give them credit the, for having under, a sense of humor about it. it it's like they they took a. Uh, they took a bowl of, of like just mild farina and they extracted the flavor out of it uh-huh. and that's what family circus tastes like. You always talk about you always talk about mild farina. Mm. I've never heard anyone talk about that other than you. And I just like to think it's like Dennis Farina's identical twin, but he's like super chill. <laughs> he's always got like Far- he's got like Aloha shirt. Farina is, is a hot grain cereal. I'm just saying. 
Anyway, I think it's a corn. Let me look up farina. Please, I, corn. I beg of you. Um, this is what this is what the people want. You know what? This is educational all around. All or right. We're ta- telling them about anyway. <laughs> Marmaduke. Marmaduke. Uh, the whole plot of every Marmaduke is Marmaduke is the family dog. Farina is wheat. It's not okay. corn. Marmaduke is the family dog. Marmaduke is a Great Dane. Great Danes, if you're unfamiliar, are very big dogs. It should be illegal to own them because they are large and destructive. If Marmaduke is any uh, indicator, Mar- Marmaduke of their is power. a is a force of nature, and not in a good way, but in like that like Sandra Bullock movie way. Like it's like <laughs> a horrifying experience. So. He's always, like, taking up too much space on the couch or dragging his owner down the street or eating too many steaks or something. And Marmaduke is just a dog. Marmaduke is not anthropomorphized. Marmaduke doesn't talk. Sometimes Uh, they imply that he's weirdly intelligent, like he's mm. watching TV and knows what he's watching, that kind of thing, or knows how the remote works. But the the gag of Marmaduke is it's about the dog owners and how tough it is to live with such a large dog. Indeed. And that went on for decades. All right. Uh... Marmaduke the movie uh, directed second feature film based on the comic strip that's right there was a live action feature with you know some CGI Mm -hmm. dog business uh, with the Owen Wilson as the voice of Marmaduke which I know for a fact I saw I reviewed it when it came out. <laughs> and you don't remember a thing, do you? No memory of it whatsoever. I think mm. the family moved away and Marmaduke was like, hey, and or something. And then that's it. That's all I got. It is vapor. I remember more of the Brendan <laughs> the Fraser movie, Furry Vengeance, than I do of the well, movie Marmaduke. Furry Vengeance hurt in a special way. Well, that's um, true. What I remember about Marmaduke, a film I did not see, was the preview. Yeah. Uh, in that we, it was a, a, a like a helicopter shot of the Pacific Coast Highway, and there was yeah. a, a convertible zooming down the Pacific Coast Highway, and, and California Love was playing on the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and they zoomed into the car, and it was Marmaduke in the car. Yeah, it's like oh, that song has no power anymore. Does that, it? that song, well, that song was already kind of passe. By the time Marmaduke yeah, hit like, it. It came out in like 2008 or whatever yeah. it was. Anyway, uh, so uh, that was the old Marmaduke. And now there's a fully animated Marmaduke uh, from a series of directors. Animation's gotten kind of weird with director credits. Mm. Where the film has a director and then it has co-directors. But technically that's not director I don't understand how it works, but I, so I don't want to mess it up. Well, I'm just going to credit uh, everybody. An, an animation, animation directors, how, they have a, a different set of skills than a live action director. Yeah, great. No, they have they have different things to do, and there's sometimes mm-hmm. people do enough work that they get a director credit. I'm just uh, I'm a little hazy on like why certain Pixar movies are credited to only one director when they say co-directed by. Yeah, like it's something kind of weird. I I've yet to unlock I, I that. I think it's like it's definitely a legal thing. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a contract thing. Where I don't know how it works, but anyway, uh, amongst the co-directors are Phil Nibelink, Young King Lee, and Matt Whelan, and the main director, the director who's credited as the director and not a co-director, is Mark A. Z. DePay. Oh, the Spawn guy. He directed Spawn. The Spawn I, I, movie from the I, 1990s. I don't, I don't know why that name is in my brain. I'm yeah. surprised you know that too, actually. <laughs> I thought it was going to blow saw, your mind. I saw Spawn in 1997 on my birthday. A friend oh. treated me to see Spawn. Oh, what a treat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my birthday is in, like, right at the beginning of August. Yeah, back in the which, 90s, that was a dead zone for films. Well, I mean, it kind of still is. I, yeah. and so, um, uh, my uh, my wife liked to take me to the drive-in. Like it was a special mm. special occasion. We'd go to the drive-in and watch movies. Yeah, but but it was always garbage in the theaters and around <laughs> my birthday. So we were lucky if we ever got even a halfway decent movie. Nice. Um, well, in any case, uh, the new Marmaduke mm. uh, is an animated film. Pete Davidson uh, voices Marmaduke. 
another uh, talking marmaduke. Another talking marmaduke. However, uh, humans don't seem to be able to, to understand him. Oh, Only okay. other animals do. It's one of those. Right. Those are the rules. Uh, at the beginning of Marmaduke, uh, Marmaduke is under house arrest. He's not allowed to go outside uh, at his uh, family's <laughs> son's birthday party. I know. There's, the kid in the family is having a birthday party, and Marmaduke tried, isn't allowed outside. to overthrow outside. the government. <laughs> yeah. And now he's under house arrest. He's not allowed to go outside because there's a birthday party going, and he's a big dog, and he's going to mess everything up. Yes. Uh, he gets all worked up, and then he breaks outside, and he messes everything up. Uh, he jumps in the above-ground swimming pool, which has so much water in it, it floods the entire neighborhood. Uh, which okay. is just... I know it's a cartoon, but that's just confusing. Um, it floods the, the yard. Yeah. The yard, surely. The yard, yes. But like they're like walking around like waist-deep water in the house. And all I'm right. like, open the door. <laughs> like, just open the door. Well, you know, <laughs> maybe, let it out. Maybe, maybe the house is, is at the low points. That's where the, the water ran. Yeah, I don't think that's how that And the lawn sort of stretches upward away from the house. When you, see, the, when you see, like, the Escape from L.A. tidal wave that gets made out of the water, you'll see mm. that this is more of a internal logic issue than okay. a me not understanding how water works. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marmaduke ran outside because they were making food and he wants food. The animation style in this Marmaduke is really noteworthy uh, in that it doesn't look like the cartoon. No, like the comic strip. They didn't go... Yeah, yeah, the, hmm. the cartoon, the comic. Yeah, they didn't uh, try to make it look like the Marmaduke from the comics. Hmm. They're going on this... Somewhat we, we, weird, we exaggerated it. style. Yeah. Um, it looks like a college short film from an animation class, which is to say, if you did that over a couple of months when it was just you, I'd be impressed. But when this is a feature animated film, I'm not. Um, it's pretty bad animation. The character designs are really awful. And they decided to make Marmaduke look pretty emaciated. Like, he's weirdly thin. Well, and I mean, so, as a like, result... Great, great Dan's have, like, long, thin legs. No, no, no. I'm <clears> talking <throat> about, like, his stomach and his body. Okay. Like, look... Like a gray, it looks like he's starving. Like a greyhound kind of So, look. like, when, when there are jokes in the movie about how, oh, Marmaduke keeps trying to eat food, it's not about, oh, Marmaduke... Can't you control your urges? And instead it plays like, feed your dog. Feed your dog, you monsters. No wonder he's acting out. He needs food. Feed him. Give him some fucking food. The video of Marmaduke jumping into the pool and causing a ruckus uh, goes viral online. Uh, attracting the attention oh, no. of a famous dog trainer oh, no. named Guy. And Guy... Who has won every dog show award ever and is feeling a little uh, uh, as though there's nothing left to accomplish. There are no more worlds left to conquer, <laughs> to quote uh, Alexander uh, the Great. Yeah. Well, I was going to say Alan Rickman, but okay. <laughs> he was quoting Alexander the Great in Dyer. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, okay. I, I, think, I think Alexander the Great, like. Beat him to the punch a little bit, just barely. Just barely. there's some scholarly like a couple months. There's some scholarly debate over who who found who started that line. Was it Alan, Alan Rickman or Alexander the Great? Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is the first one quoted. <laughs> he just but he says he's quoted sure. Alexander. So maybe it's apocryphal. Anyway, so this guy vows that he will train the untrainable dog and he will train Marmaduke, and he teaches Marmaduke like kung fu and he shoves him into rings of fire. And <laughs> he will train Marmaduke Kung Fu. A little bit of Kung Fu. Yeah. And um, just call it. They should have mentioned that in the title. You'd think, Kung right? Kung Fu Marmaduke. Yeah. 
maybe Hong Kong Fui was already coming out and he didn't want to oh, step on his toes. Um, and then, uh, and you think like, oh, he's going to be this like really evil guy and he's going to like try to turn Marmaduke into something he's not. No, Marmaduke's into it. They train real good and then they go to a dog show. Uh, there's uh, there's an Afghan hound named Zeus who is like winning all the awards. Played by Oscar winner J.K. Simmons, who clearly just had some speeding tickets to pay off. Well, <laughs> J.K. Simmons is is a game actor. He's very professional. Oh, yeah. he'll do, he does. He'll do he's done a lot of voice work. Yeah. He's done a lot of voice work. No disrespect to J.K. Simmons, uh, but this this is not a, his best role. Um, they go to a dog show, and J.K. Simmons, uh, in order to sabotage Marmaduke, his uh, least threatening opponent. Uh, he tells Marmaduke uh, to gorge himself on the human buffet just before the dog show. Uh, and then Marmaduke uh, has to fart. So bad does he have to fart. He has to run, cause a ruckus, find a place to fart. And then he does fart. You ever have nightmares like that where you're in public yeah. and you just yeah. can't seem to find a place to fart? Yeah, they're really speaking to that moment, that, that sort yeah, it's, of inner... It's, it's, it's like a universal, like, yeah. Jungian kind of experience in, in the human condition. Marmaduke farts, and uh, you ever see the movie Swordfish? <laughs> the movie Swordfish... Oh, op- do go on! <laughs> the movie Swordfish opens with a bomb exploding, and it was right after The Matrix came out, and bullet and time do. was this new thing that they were trying to use oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so they used bullet time to show like a gigantic bomb explosion, but like all around a city it's, block. It's it was pretty sh- ambitious. It's shrapnel. There's a lot yeah. of shrapnel flying everywhere in that yeah. movie. Uh, it's, imagine that, but with a fart. Oh, God. And no. it's just, you get to see everyone like reacting in slow mo to the fart as the mm. camera like zooms throughout the entire dog show. That, that, that sounds like it could be pretty like virtuosic filmmaking. You'd think, right? Hmm. And it's not funny. No. And uh, then uh, uh, the dog trainer is like, I was a fool to think you could be trained. And Marmaduke feels bad. So Marmaduke walks around the entire planet. Okay. By himself. Big dog, yeah. Yeah. Like just Ocean 2 swims it. Okay. uh, And to prove to the dog trainer uh, that he can be a good dog and he's got discipline. And the dog trainer's like, okay, fine. I'll train you. And I'm like, what more do you need? We just, he was on the news. We already proved that you trained the dog real good. What do we need? But then there's like still... a Forrest Gump moment. Kind of. Yeah, it's so weird. And then they have to go, and there's a big dog show that lasts like half the fucking movie. And then we're at this dog show. Um, Marmaduke is... Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Mas- bad. Masterpiece. It's oh. bad. It's a bad film. You, you stepped on my joke. But yes, it's a bad yeah. film. Uh it's such a bet. Nothing about it makes any sense. Okay. Even the little things. Like, there's a bit where, uh, to prove that he's such a hard ass and he's not going to let, you know, he's not going to, like, be a good person with Marmaduke. Like, uh, one guy uh, prevents Marmaduke from eating chocolate. And I'm like, well, good. That's, that's good. Because dog can't eat chocolate. They, they, they could kill them. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, can't, oh. you can't prove that a guy is, like, not on Marmaduke, like, not good for Marmaduke mm-hmm. by having him save Marmaduke's life? What the hell is the matter with you? Um, nothing about it makes any sense. The animation style is absolutely awful, and... And yet... Yes? I kept thinking to myself, is there any redeeming value here? Um, it doesn't really push any toxic ideas or, you know, bad lessons for kids to learn. It's not like Rio 2 or something like that. It's just like, low, just its yeah. heart is in the wrong place. It's, low bar to clear, but all right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's just sort of, 
yeah. Hmm. Not very ambitious, shitty animated kids film. Uh, but then it was like, there is some good that this movie does. There's one thing this movie does that I think kids need, uh, which is they need something bad to compare good things to. <laughs> okay, that's that's har- hardly a standard by which to praise a movie. Oh, I'm not praising it. All I'm right. just saying it has a function. Okay? I'm not here mm. to praise Caesar. I'm here to bury him. And I just feel as though, like, if, if your kid ends up watching Marmaduke, your kid will develop standards suddenly. Like, yeah, you know, they always yeah, say, like, yeah. kids will watch anything? No. <laughs> your kid will draw the line somewhere. And I suspect most kids would draw the line at Marmaduke. It is really that bad. I've seen a lot of very tepid, unremarkable, yeah. bottom-of-the-barrel, not-very-good animated kids flicks. And most of them, I can imagine a little kid watching them and going, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, like, what am, what am I doing this afternoon? I might as well watch this uh marmaduke is i feel like there will come a point where most kids even the littlest kids would be like turn off netflix i wonder what outside is like like <laughs> i just feel like you're well, gonna thank, get some valuable content thank you net netflix for yeah. encouraging children to go outside yeah um movies about big destructive dogs yeah aren't funny to me I know I never lived with a dog, so I don't, like, have that shared experience oh, okay. living with an animal that's just going to wreck your house. Yeah, I've, I've had a, my, we've, uh, we've babysat big dogs okay. before. My, it could uh, be a problem. Yeah. My instinct is to just not buy an animal like that. Yeah, don't don't try to take care of an animal you can't conceivably take care of. Well. You know, you can also, there are cats in that size as well. You don't get those because they'll fucking eat you. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should have the same philosophy toward dogs. Just keep the big ones out because of your Because that's home. the other thing about Marmaduke. Like, at least in the comic strip, it always seems like we love him, but there's an occasional nuisance thing here. Mm. Like, the dad is just, like, losing his mind over Marmaduke. And I keep thinking to myself, you should not have this dog. I want to save Marmaduke from you. Mm. Because it's not Marmaduke's fault. He's underfed. Apparently, he's not getting enough exercise. I would love like to he's... see, like, a, a telltale heart sort of thing where the, the owner is just, like, slowly going mad in the background. Well, that's just Black Cat. That's not Telltale Heart. Oh, Black Cat, yeah, I guess yeah, so. He literally did that, <laughs> but with a cat. And he ends up like, burying Marmaduke alive. <laughs> that's a different kind of movie, It's I a slightly guess. different Marmaduke. I, 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 would, I would pay to see that one. And Edgar Allan Poe's Marmaduke. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. Now I want to see, like... Famous, like, authors' takes on various comic strips. <laughs> Jane Austen's Garfield. Oh, there you go. That would be a good one, you know? They, they did that in Mad Magazine a couple times. Oh, like did a, they? A famous filmmakers made comic strips. Oh, there you go. And they did a... Ingmar Bergman's Garfield was particularly good. <laughs> God. It's probably, like, a Garfield without Garfield. Well, it was it was John and Garfield playing chess, and uh, and their dialogue was in Swedish, so it had to be translated. Oh, and, I remember the, that now. Actually, they were just yeah. sort of saying, "Yes, and death comes for us all, and death is inevitable." And then the second panel, death is there. Oh no, death has come for us, and death is just Odie, and that's Aww. that's the gag. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, Marmaduke sucks. Moving on. Uh, why don't you tell me about? Uh, we are all going to the world's fair. Yeah, we're all going to the world's fair. Uh, is a new horror movie. Uh, from writer-director Jane Schoenbrunn. And uh, this is an incredibly moody and intense film Mm. about sort of uh, that longing for oblivion that enters Uh, your mind uh, when you're in a depressive state. Yeah. Uh, I know that. uh, Sadly, I know that feeling. I I think a lot of people know this feeling. I think it's it's actually an incredibly common feeling. Yeah. Uh, This isn't something, you know, 
reserved for people going through a tough time. This is something that's pretty universal. But uh, the premise of the movie is uh, this teenage girl, her name is Casey. Uh, she's played by a first-time actress. Let me look up her name. Uh, Anna, Anna Cobb is the actress's name. Mm. Uh, and there is an online game. It's the scariest horror game you've ever played. Uh-huh. And it's not like a, an interactive game. It's not like, They call it an MMORPG. Yeah. But it's more like a video challenge. Yeah, and it's called what... and it's called the World Fair. Okay. The, uh, and the World Fair is, uh, yeah. Uh, the world, excuse me, the World's Fair. The World's Fair is, uh, it, it's sort of like this truth or dare thing. And the way you go get in is you film yourself saying, "I would like to go to the World's Fair." You cut your finger open and smear blood on your laptop screen, and then okay. the screen strobes and it says, "Report back any changes you experience." And she watches okay. other people's videos, and they they seem kind of like bullshit, but you're not sure if they are. Mm. Like, one guy says, oh, no, I turned into a clown. He has clown makeup now. Another woman says, look, I'm slowly turning into plastic. And she begins recording herself, and we see it. It's a lot of found footage stuff. Yeah. We get to see her videos of what she is perceiving as the changes in her life. And she's sort of out in the world. She's in her bedroom. Mm. Uh, we learn that... Uh, She's lost her mother recently. She's living with her uh, her widowed dad. Uh, we know that she knows where her dad's shotgun is, which is hanging over all of the action in this movie. Mm-hmm. And she starts to recount these bizarre things that happened when she was young, how she used to sleepwalk a lot, mm. and how she feels like she's kind of detaching from reality. And we're never really sure as as an as the audience how much of this is like some sort of supernatural thing how much is this mm-hmm. uh like just a negative influence is leaking into her brain or how much of this is just her enacting a, a kind of depressive mindset yeah and going through a lot of this and she, uh, there's a the climax she sort of like paints her her body with like glow-in-the-dark paint and like rips apart a, a stuffed animal she really loved okay uh <clears throat> she ends up developing a relationship with another one of the players and and again, you can't really tell if he's goading her into doing a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. if he is also being influenced by the World's Fair, or if he's sort of enacting this sort of play. Like, they're just sort of yeah. play-acting with one another. Okay. That kind of uh, notion that you have an online persona, the personality you project online, is now very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are just have sort of just brought that into their consciousness now. The version of your, your online self is different from your real life self. Uh, and I feel like this is a film that is sort of delving into that and showing how those two personas can kind of start to bleed into one another in this yeah. really insidious way, in a way that we're not even really bothering to acknowledge. That's interesting. Uh, and it, it climaxes in a very gentle sort of way. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't, it does give you sort of an answer as to whether or not this is supernatural or not. Uh, but it's it it's not about that. It's more about sort of this experience that this teenage girl is having and how she's clearly kind of coming apart. And watching her go through that experience is more terrifying than any horror movie you're going to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether or not she's, she's going to commit some sort of act of violence or whether or not she's uh, actually contemplating some of the horrible things she's talking about. 
there is this kind of sickening sense of inevitability mm. as to what is something it, might happen. Is it just like a one person show from for the whole thing, or it's is, mo- is it like in just Ellen, this one person? It's bedroom, mostly or? her. Uh, she we hear her dad's voice from outside uh, outside the door, uh-huh. and then we see the other guy that she's talking to, uh, yeah. and we get to learn like a little bit about him. And, or something like no, like we go into his house at oh, okay. one point, and we actually okay. it's, it's not all found footage. Okay, that was my some, that was my confusion. Okay. Yeah, so we actually get to sort of cut out into the real world every once in a while. Got it. It's intense and it's excellent. Uh, cool. It's it's really, really, really uh, savvy hmm. about knowing what it feels like uh, when you're sort of facing in a certain direction and you can't stop walking in that direction in terms of being in a bad emotional state. There is a tendency when you're in a dark place. Mm-hmm to push further into it. Uh, depression attracts more depression. It does. Uh, it, it's, uh, and, and there's a weird, con- it's, the word isn't comfort, but uh, just sort of this poetic understanding that continuing to be depressed and allowing yourself to continue to be depressed mm-hmm. is the thing that makes sense in that moment. Well, yeah, so because depression tricks you into thinking that that, that, that worldview is, is accurate. That's the correct. So, like being um, have, being reassured that your depression is accurate. It, you know what? It, when for, for me, hmm. when I'm in a depressive state, which is not hmm. uncommon, uh, and something happens that just reaffirms that I was right to be depressed. Like everything is shit right now. Like something just confirms the way I was feeling. It feels logical. Yeah, it yeah, feels this, like everything. This, this, this makes, makes sense. sense. This yeah. is this is the way it's supposed to be. I, I figured out the truth. This this lie yeah. is now the truth, which is not a great place to be. That's not a great. Mm. But it sounds like a really good movie. It it is really good. I was reminded of um, she dies tomorrow. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, which is a really yeah. good movie. I think it was two twenty twenty. It was twenty twenty. Um, it was like right at the start of the pandemic, like that right. summer. Um, yeah. And that movie is about a woman who uh, wakes up one day and is just convinced she's going to die tomorrow. By the end of the day. To the, yeah, the day. Sorry, you have one day to die before you die. Uh, and no, every time she. There's not anything in her life to indicate that she is. She's no, not sick. There's she's no, not, nobody's hunting her, nothing like that. No, there's just uh, this general sense that tomorrow is the day yeah, and you and, definitely have a ticking clock. And uh, yeah. that's another part of the depressive mindset that, yeah. that this is. Death is just sort of inevitable and it's really yeah. nearby. Yeah. And. Uh, the gimmick with that movie is each person she talks to about this, I'm mm. going to die tomorrow. Yeah. She kind of spreads it to them and yeah. they it's too like, It's like Inception. Yeah. Now I think that I'm going to die tomorrow. And yeah, so what you would do if like, you were going to die tomorrow is very if, different if, for a lot yeah, of people. If yeah. depression was essentially a transmissible disease. It's yeah. actually a really great movie. Great movie. Um, really great. We're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, has that same vibe to it. This <sighs> kind of... <sighs> it, it's more about these sort of quiet, contemplative, very slow moments <sighs> when... When the the darkness sort of encroaches in on you, and there's a lot of disturbing stuff. Mm. There's a scene that codifies that something very supernatural definitely did happen. There's another scene that codifies that something didn't happen. So you're not really sure Great. what which of these things it is, and yeah, uh, and it cool. ends with a really fantastic monologue that you can't trust. And uh, I love that kind of shit. thing. <laughs> okay, no, I got to see it. Is where is this on VOD? Is uh, it's, on... This is on VOD right now. Okay. Uh, you, can, you can rent it. It's not on any streaming services uh, like, for free. But, okay, um, got it. Noted. But yeah, okay, I, I'll I, I, I really highly recommend this one. It's awesome. really, really good. Thank you. Uh, okay, well, next up, we have a new horror movie on, um, on Shudder. Yeah. What was that movie on Shudder about... Like the American family, and they move to Europe, and one of their kids is missing, and there's like a big, weird, creepy conspiracy around their like probably really old haunted house 
that came um, out this year. You're describing like eight movies, dude. <laughs> right, but wasn't there was one that was like on Shutter and it had like a famous American actress in the lead, and yeah, and there was something hmm. creepy going on with her kids. Remember, remember when we reviewed that like a couple of weeks ago? Um, th- this is sounding familiar. This this isn't the one we just did a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the ba- the seller. Oh yeah, no yeah no that's. Not the no, 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 no. This is that, but it, now it's called The Twin. Uh, so so you, you were talking about The Cellar. I'm talking about this movie, but it's eerily similar to The Cellar. The Cellar, okay. The Cellar came out like a month ago, and they're, they could be companion pieces. Um, in the first well, one, I, uh, I, Ali- I, uh, in The Cellar, Alicia Cuthbert plays a mom whose uh, child goes missing, and there's a creepy haunted house involved, mm-hmm. and they get sort of, they fall into this weird paranoia about there's some kind of supernatural conspiracy regarding the house. Or the neighborhood, or whatever. Uh, terrible script, but great direction yeah. in that movie. Uh, the twin stars Teresa Palmer uh, as a mom, and they move into this house in uh, in Europe. In this case, specifically, it's Finland, and uh, they have uh, they had twins. There was a car accident, and one of the twins died. These are identical twins, uh, and now she's very overprotective of her young son. Understandably so. Well, yeah, the, the, you, where you, the logic is yeah. bulletproof. Like, yes, who, who and, wouldn't uh, be right away? For, at least immediately. And because this is Finland, we get a lot of. Uh, yeah. I, I I can talk a little bit to this movie because I started to watch it, but I gave up halfway through just because it was you were busy. It was getting late, and I was busy, and yeah. I wasn't able to finish it. That's but, it. But you uh, got I, the gist of it. I yeah. got I saw about the first half. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, like Finnish iconography, which is. Unfortunately, going to be evocative of Midsommar. Very evocative of Midsommar. Like, clearly, Midsommar is starting to make an impact on how people are treating Northern Europe, if nothing else. Scandinavian folk horror is now going to become... It's now becoming more common. Well, it's interesting. You know what? We haven't done that one before as a trend. (laughs) Let's try this for a while. Scandinavian folk horror. Let's let's go for it. Uh, so yeah, Teresa Palmer, uh, you might remember Teresa Palmer from things like Warm Bodies or Lights Out, actually a very good actress. Uh, yeah, she plays a grieving mom and she's very protective of her young child and her husband is a successful author, uh, who is starting to be really weird and a little too chummy with the locals, not so much with his own wife. And his wife starts meeting like this older woman who lives in town and she kind of moved here from the outside and she doesn't trust everyone here. She thinks something's wrong. With this community, it's all pagan, and uh, yeah, she gradually starts to think that there's something up, and she can't figure out what it is. Sometimes she has weird dreams about her child. Sometimes she'll do things like take a picture of her child on a swing, and then when she develops the photos, the child isn't there, and she doesn't know what to make of that. Mm. Uh, she starts thinking that maybe her father has made uh, the child's father has made some kind of Rosemary's Baby deal with a cult. To give their remaining child up, or maybe replace their child with the ghost of the other child, or something. Um, One of the things that's really obvious in the beginning, in The Twin, is this is going to be one of those movies that ends with some kind of a twist. Yeah. Because there's a lot that's being kept it, from it, us, it a lot, a lot of reality that's being questioned. Be not supernatural. Yeah, there's almost definitely something supernatural involved here. Which means, and so, like, if you watch enough horror movies, and you've seen enough movies about people who have creepy kids or ghost children or haunted houses or communities that may or may not be cults, um, you start watching the twin, and you realize there's only about like five ways this movie can end. Uh, yeah. They chose ending number four. That's all I'll say. Like they didn't. Right. They did not break the mold. They picked one ending. Um, the ending that they chose 
because this totally could have ended five different ways and still been basically the same film uh, in terms of like scare value at any rate. Maybe not mean the same thing. The ending that they chose was really sad and confrontational about grief. And I appreciate that because that really bolsters Teresa Palmer's performance. And I think Teresa Palmer is giving a really strong performance here. I think she's very good in this role. It's not, she seemed, she seemed lost in the first half, but I can't, the the first half is rough. She finds, I think she finds more in the second half. The the movie starts really focusing more on her and the mystery Mm. in the second half. And I think she's really good. Oscar worthy. No, but like, it's a good, it's a good piece for her. It's definitely like a showcase for, um, I'm reasonably happy with the ending. I'll okay. say that right now. I don't feel like we got... It's a little longer than it needs to be. It's like nearally two hours. It does not need to be. Yeah, but... That's why I had to give up. Yeah, it kind of it kind of feels... The first half could definitely have been condensed a bit and you'd sell the same film. But uh, there's good stuff in it. Um, when we reviewed The Cellar, uh-huh. uh, I think I gave it a negative review and you gave it like a lukewarm positive review because you yeah. argued that although it was very, very formulaic, it was stylish and spooky enough that it got, it got you what you needed. Yeah. 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 There, there were a lot of good visuals. I think yeah. it, uh, that scares timed out well, yeah. even though there is literally a scene where a guy like puts triangles around a Pentagon and figures out, wait a minute. It's a star. This uh, is a star. And look, I looked it up and that's a Satan star. I know. I know. Well, there's nothing quite that bad in the yeah. twin, but uh, the twin is that for me where this All is right. definitely hitting a formula. There's definitely not breaking the mold in any particular way. However, I think that it is put together in such a way that the atmosphere is creeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is just clever enough in its presentation that I was pretty sure they were chosen ending two or three, and I was mildly surprised that they had chosen ending four, even though I knew four was on the table. <laughs> right. So I'll, I'll give them some credit there. I think they did a pretty good job of, of uh, uh, you know, holding their cards close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a stylish, creepy film, uh, very formulaic, to a fault. If you've seen this movie, you've seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is not a bad version of it, and I like it better than The Cellar. So I'll just give okay. it that much. It's a little unremarkable, but if you're looking for an old-fashioned, creepy haunted house movie and The Cellar either did it for you, in which case I think you'll definitely like The Twin, or The Cellar was like not quite good enough for you, I think The Twin is the one to go with. All right. uh, so that's on Shutter right now. It's pretty good, not amazing, but I liked it. All right. uh, and uh, then uh, the next film we're going to talk about before we get to Doctor Strange is the most timely possible film. Oh, God. Like, weirdly, un- tragically timely. Um, it is a new French film. Uh, it is called Happening. Not The Happening. It has nothing to do with M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, it is from uh, director Audrey Dewan, who I'm not very familiar with. Uh, and it is uh, based on a 2000 novel. And it is a story of a young French woman. Uh, she's a student in the 1960s in France. And she gets pregnant. And if she has the child, she won't be able to go to school. Uh, she Her entire future is basically obliterated. She doesn't want to have a child. Uh, and so she decides she's going to have an abortion. Mm. But abortion is illegal in France in the 1960s. It wouldn't be legal in France until shortly after Roe versus Wade in the 1970s. And what happening is about is those few months where she actually has a window where she can do this and desperately trying to find a way to break free of the yoke of a very constrictive, mm. misogynistic, uh, uh, cruel society, a very, yeah, very almost so... Orwellian 
in its portrayal mm. of of how bo- uh, bodily autonomy is treated in well, places where abortion is legalized. It's and, actually yeah. it's actually a lot more insidious than that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the the threat and pressure that this main character is feeling about her pregnancy and about seeking an abortion has a lot more like a lot a lot of it seems to be coming from a lot of her peers yeah little subtle things that the men in her life say to her mm-hmm. uh, some of them know some of them do not some mm-hmm. of them are helpful some of them aren't yeah some uh, of them are very I exploitative think, absolutely yeah. um the idea of having to sort of delve into the underground to seek mm-hmm. an abortion is it, a big part of it's, this it is it is when it's a criminal act mm-hmm. you have to find a subtle way in yeah. order to even do even say hey does anyone know anybody you can't put that on a bulletin board. You have mm. to figure out who is safe to ask because some people will tell the police. Yeah. Some doctors will either find tell on the police or in one particularly horrifying subplot here, actively betray her in a very yeah, weird yeah. and creepy way uh, that is just unbelievably condescending and horrifying. Uh, I, I appreciate that although this is... The main plot. This is about her seeking an abortion. Yeah. There's actually a lot of little scenes and details throughout where mm. uh, we just try to see her live her life. Yeah. And go to class and hang out with friends. It's really important because we see that if this had never happened to her, this had not been her story, mm. uh, she would have had a life. And it would have been an interesting life. And yeah. she would have dated interesting people. And she was excelling in school. And she had a pretty good relationship with her parents. And like we see what she's losing here, Mm. what she's afraid to lose, what she would lose, or at the very least what would change so much that it would be unrecognizable and not what she wants anymore. And we see the way people around her warp. And... Shit, this is a good movie. It's... it's... I was reminded of uh, Mike Lee's film Vera Drake. Yes, uh, which is so. it's another film about abortion, but uh, that, that film was about the abortionist. Yeah. Uh, the, Vera Drake was a real woman who performs back alley abortions when it was yeah. illegal in England. Yeah. Although I think she, it was back in the fifties, that movie. Although she really um, performed it more in the frame of a midwife, she was actually very well trained and yeah, she was all yeah, very yeah. healthy and clean. And uh, uh, well, and yeah. that that was sort of the. The theme of that movie, sort of yeah. the tone of it, was that she lived like kind of this humble, almost humdrum life, yeah. and but was also performing back alley abortions, which was Very has illegal. been sold in the media as this rebellious, horrendous thing uh, by mm. by the people who oppose it. Um, happening just happened mm-hmm. to come out when here in the United States, a draft from our Supreme Court was leaked about how. Uh, mm. Uh, this 50-year-old law, Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. uh, which codified uh, the right to abortion into law, was mm-hmm. going to be overturned by the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's going to be made illegal again. Uh, well, on a federal level. On a federal, theoretically, yeah. they're sending it back to the states, but now a lot of politicians lot are talking the... about trying to make it mm-hmm. federally illegal to not only, not only have an abortion, but in some cases seek... Uh, uh, like Plan uh, B pills and that kind yeah, of thing. Or, or, yeah, or, um, or any sort of uh, family planning materials, basically, mm. uh, which is just yeah, and, yeah. All these the, yeah. A, a lot of weirdo extremists are out there saying, "No, now they can't even have condoms and IUDs." It's like, yeah. the fuck, dude? It's, Jesus, who wants that? Like, no, like, it, who wants any of this? Yeah. Most of the country doesn't. No, no, no. Which no is it's weird. It's, it's like this very. We're sort of. Yeah. S- 
here in the United States, we're sort of in a stranglehold of these extremists, <clears throat> and it's pretty yeah. sad yeah. Uh, that this is something, a, a part of our history now. The government um, is disproportionately run by people who represent the uh, uh, smallest sm- smallest groups yeah, one in of the, America. One of the smallest the possible fringes. minorities. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and, and they're acting like they have a mandate. Like, this, oh, no, this is something American people want. No, it's no, not. It's, it's not. not. You want. gamed the system. Um, That's what you did. Yeah, it sucks. And, um, it's really, it's really, really horrible. So, uh, and breaking that, and breaking that precedent, which is based on privacy, hmm. uh, is potentially very dangerous. It can open the floodgates to them illegalizing no. a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch of strides that we've made that other countries have fallen, uh, hmm. you know, followed in our wake and passed great legislation. They're trying to take it all away. It's hmm. a terrible, terrible thing. And a movie like Happening. Is a very unflinching, very direct, n- no way sensationalized uh, portrayal of this is what we, we're going to go back to. The, well, and also this is yeah. th- this is what it looks like. Yeah, um, there are some insanely painful scenes mm. in this movie of just physical harm that I don't yeah. even want to describe. No, it's uh, pretty. It's it's intense. Mm. Parts of it are really intense. Fair, but uh, intense. And, and uh, it's. What a movie like Happening does is not just a, a fantastic drama. Mm-hmm. It's not just re- and really well written and directed. It's not mm-hmm. just well acted. It is it's all not, those things. It, it is all of those things. But it's also doing something incredibly important, uh, especially given the political climate in the United States, mm-hmm. about putting a human face to mm-hmm. something that a lot of people try to intellectualize. Yeah. Uh, and or worse, think, demonize. Or demonize. I feel like trying to put a human face on it isn't going to reach the people who oppose this. No, it's not. It would be nice to think that everyone's going to watch this gonna, movie and everything will be fine by the end gonna, of the summer. And, and someone will yeah. have a, oh, golly, no. this is the way it looks. No, that, that's what they want. And that, I think, makes happening not... I mean, it does. it is humanizing, but I think it's also insanely chilling that yeah. this is the life a lot of human beings in this world seek for others. Yeah, this is the, this the horror is a, that this, this person goes story. through. Is yeah. yeah, it is. The horror that this person lives through in this movie, a lot of people want to be mm. the status quo. And it again, it raises the issue, which is just factually accurate, which is that uh, bans on abortion, which are actually not as historically prevalent as a lot of people, including that court brief, want you to believe... Uh, they don't diminish the number of abortions. They just make it less safe. Yeah. yeah. They make it more dangerous. Uh, they make people live in uh, fear. And mm-hmm. it's... That's not going to help anybody. Happening... I, I would be very nice to think that happening is going to come out and it will change the world. Um, what it will do, I think, for those who see it, and I hope you do, it's not for everybody. It's very intense. I totally get it. This could be very triggering for a lot of people. Um I'm hoping a movie like this will reach people who agree with it, sure, but mm. steal our resolve. And then we'll mm. see this and we'll realize this is what they want. Yeah. This is what could very well exist in various parts of the country, in potentially all of it, and within our lifetimes, if not very, very soon. Uh, and this is what we have to prevent. This is not business as usual we can't go back to just going like well the laws change so be it like no 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 this is an everyday Mm. change for the worse for a lot of people 
Um, now, again, I want to make it clear. Uh, uh, this is a hot button issue, and obviously Whitney and I have a side. We, we've, yeah, we've we have kind, side. Of, kind of made pretty clear where we fall yeah, on this and, issue. Yeah, and we appreciate that some people are going to have a different take on it. And it is a complicated mm-hmm. issue. It's not a, 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 a straightforward issue. It's a complicated issue. But well, um, we're, we're coming at it from our perspective, and we're not going to make any apologies for that. Yeah, uh, and that's uh, just so, where we're um, at. So. I, I would yeah. recommend... Um, the uh, the filmmaker Tony Kay, who did American History X, oh, I didn't see this. Made this yeah. really terrific documentary film. I think it was in two thousand five, mid two thousands. Yeah, uh, called Lake of Fire, mm. and Lake of Fire is not just about abortion in the United States and the political fights over it and the moral mm. fights over it. It's also uh, very much about its history and how closely it's tied in with this uh, strange rise of evangelical Christianity in the United States mm. and how. Th- Evangelical Christianity is actually a very new invention. It didn't really kind of come into being in the way we know it until like the 1950s. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not sort of old time religion. It's, that's a very new time religion. Yeah. Uh, and how, um, and a lot of people have written very eloquently about this, about how uh, pregnancy abortion became a hot button issue when a lot of Republican uh, politicians wanted to essentially recruit and weaponize the evangelical churches yeah, we that wanted were already a, super conservative. Anyway. It, was, it was a cause that they mm. could get people to rally around. So uh, there's a lot yeah. of this uh, like anti-sex legislation, sex neg- negativity that's all folded into part of this this you know, fight for abortion that you know kind of became <coughs> mixed in with the church and morality and politics. So it actually is incredibly complicated. Uh, I think uh, Lake of Fire is a long movie. I think lays it all out. It talks mm. to people... Who uh, who agree with it? People who don't agree with it. Uh, it goes <coughs> into abortion clinics. It has some pretty uh, some pretty grueling scenes mm. with people who are getting abortions. Yeah. Uh, I I think there's a lot to discuss here, and I think something like like a fire is definitely going to be eye opening. Uh, Vera Drake is going to be certainly eye opening, and happening most certainly is going to be eye opening. I think there's actually like a really. There's something really interesting going on this weekend. Just serendipity just happened to work out this way. Mm. Every theater in the country right now is showing the next one we're reviewing, Doctor Strange Mm. and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, because it's a huge blockbuster and a time-honored franchise. It's, like, been proven over and over again that people really like Marvel. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Just regardless, people flock yeah, to this. And, and they're and they're very successful, and I like most of them. Like I get it, but yeah. uh, so it's it's a it's a surefire blockbuster, and there's some people who are just like ah, oh, you know, it's all we seem to get now are these blockbusters, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, and then the happening. I'm sorry, happening, not mm-hmm. the happening, happening. The happening is very different, but happening is opening the same weekend. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be two more different films. Yeah, well, I, they just I think, really couldn't, and it's just what what a contrast. There's I'm, just like, I'm guessing the people who are going to see are really excited about uh, <clears throat> Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness aren't being siphoned away from happening. No, 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 certainly uh, not. And I, but I just think it's interesting that we see that the a these movies movies are being made for everybody. Mm. Uh, but. Um, yeah, well, it's just, but boy, some just suck up all the oxygen, don't they? <laughs> yeah. They just suck. That's yeah. all anyone wants to talk about. I've seen almost no conversations about mm. happening on social media, even amongst so-called film Twitter, mm. which is a shame because it's a, it's a beautiful and oh, a yeah. very yeah. powerful movie. 
but uh, instead, everyone's talking about Doctor Strange, yeah. um, which is a new movie that we're reviewing right now. What I found most curious about uh, Doctor Strange <clears throat> and the Multiverse of Madness, it's a film by Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. His first film since Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, um, he's been producing, but he hasn't directed in about 10 years. Oh, he did uh, TV. Well, he did TV. He did, a, yeah. I think he did a couple episodes of Ash vs. Evil Dead, the TV yeah. series. And uh, he did a Quibi. Oh, that's uh, right. I forgot he did he, a Quibi. He was, he was one of the producers behind 50 States of Fright, which was going to be an anthology series with 50 episodes. One, one horror state. story yeah. for each state in the United States. Uh, he got to start. He's from Michigan, so he got to do the Michigan story. All right. Uh, um, and it was, it was an old campfire story, the Quibi. Um it was called the Golden Arm, or it's about a lumberjack and his uh, his wife who wanted rich things, and uh, he saved up uh, doing cutting a lot of trees and saving up a lot of money, and then wouldn't you know it, a tree falls on her arm and crushes it and it has to be removed. Mm-hmm. So he uh, makes her an arm of gold, and. Uh, she has the, this golden arm, but the gold, like, the metal in the arm is, like, infecting her skin, but she refuses to take it off because it's too beautiful. Vanity. Like, yeah, she's so vain, and she's young, and she's beautiful, and she wants to keep the golden arm, and it poisons her blood, and she dies. Ah. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, he falls on hard times. He runs out of money. Well, she was buried with that arm. Yep. Guess who's going to get exhumed? Guess who's going to... probably her. Yeah, it's probably her. Oh, okay, okay. It's not Jimmy Hoffa. All right. It's, it's, it's a fun campfire story. Yeah, you can tend to see where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I also uh, watched the Minnesota episode where <clears throat> someone is eaten alive by the world's largest ball of twine. No! <laughs> it's really the premise of Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> oh my god, I love that! You, that's awesome! You people did not give Quibi a chance. <laughs> Quibi was here for you, it and you failed here. Quibi. Five bucks a month, man. It was here for you. Anyway, uh, so it's a new film from Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi is... One of the most like influential filmmakers on me as a person. Mm. Um, Sam yep. Raimi got his start making uh, low budget horror movies, specifically The Evil Dead, mm. uh, which was made by him and his friends in a cabin in the woods, and it was made with such panache, even so, though such it had energy. A, even though it had a shockingly low budget, uh, that Stephen King was raving about it. The world raved about it, and uh, he immediately was able to pick up an opportunity uh, to direct his next film, a comedy called Crime Wave, which sucks. It was written by the Coen brothers, too. I know. Like, it's written it's, by the Coen brothers. It's really uh, ambitious. There's a lot of like wild Sam stuff in it. Stars, uh, stars Bruce Campbell, and yeah, yeah. it just... It's not funny. It's It's just not funny. It's weird. He's a funny filmmaker. It's so weird. If you watch Crime Wave, you just... What the hell happened? So when that flopped... He went back and made a sequel to Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Evil Dead 2 is... It's kind of a remake of Evil Dead. The first half is uh, like a remake of Evil Dead, and then it spins off into its own direction, and it kind of codified a new genre that became very popular in the 80s and the 90s, which is splatstick. It's uh, it, horror tropes and horror iconography and a lot of blood and violence, <clears throat> but timed and presented like a slapstick comedy. Yeah, we're not talking about like Abbott and Costello, oh, we're scared of the mummy, haha, isn't that funny? It's like, no, the mummy ripped us apart, but he did it in a funny way. Isn't hmm. that weird? Like yeah, so cut, somebody... cut off my hand, but now it's giving me the finger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So stuff like uh Dead Alive uh mm. fits this mold very, very well. Evil Dead mm. Two is still the the big one. And um after Evil Dead Two, which was so uh uh just unbelievably well presented. Like the the mm. visual Storytelling in Evil Dead is surpassed by very few. Yeah, uh, Bruce, Bruce Campbell uh, stars in that one. Too. Bruce Campbell is in all of uh, Sam, almost all of Sam Raimi's almost, movies. Almost, yeah. Um, and uh, he, he's 
he's a really funny guy. Uh, he would admit that he's not a great actor. Mm. Uh, I think he's, uh, if you see some of his stuff on Burn Notice, he actually, like, has real chops. Uh, he he, he doesn't most, get a chance to act often, yeah, like, the, truly act. For the but most he does, part, he, get, he gets to be just sort of like these flip characters, and he's very yeah. good at that, and he's really, really funny. Uh, some of the physical comedy he does in Evil Dead 2 is like Harold Lloyd level. Like, yeah, it is really great. Wonderful, wonderful cinema. I'm, a lot of a lot of adolescents are drawn to Evil Dead 2 because it, it just sort of turns death into something really kind of fun and silly, and that's the attitude you have when well, you're young. For me, the reason why Evil Dead 2 is one of the most important movies, that mm. I, to me, personally, that I've seen for my own life. Um, when I was a kid, I used to be really, really terrified of horror movies. Yeah, uh, same. That just cowering in the corner of my room. Had a lot of nightmares as a kid. Yeah, recurring nightmares about Chucky from Child's Play, for example. And it wasn't until I saw Evil Dead 2 uh, that I could do something that I never had really been able to do before. Uh, I could see the scenes in the storytelling. Evil Dead 2 is bigger and more ambitious than the original Evil Dead. You can still see the wire on the flying eyeball. You can still see that, like, the, the big, scary evil witch costume uh, has a big tear in the back and you can see Ted Raimi's underwear. Like you can see that this is a handmade thing Mm. and seeing that it was handmade codified for me that this is not like some like window into a hell dimension. This was made by people who wanted to have fun. This is like, this is like you can watch evil dead too. And you realize that this is like a masterclass in how to make a low budget horror movie. I've heard it said that, um, Watching something because the style is so wild, the mm. cameras are so crazy, and it's just you know, Sam Raimi just puts way too much energy uh, into <laughs> every single frame of his movie. Uh, it's as as a young person, it's like you might notice for the first time that somebody made those decisions. Those, like, this you'll is not, understand yeah. that the difference between someone who's directing and a director. Yeah, it's there's a difference between telling somebody and then a ghost killed them and putting a flashlight under your face and doing the scary the scary sounds. Yeah, and like the, it's a storytelling. You can I, you're I aware it, of the storyteller in a way mm-hmm. that a lot of movies aren't. Yeah, that, that said, Sam Raimi has never made any pretense towards artistry. He's never called himself an artist. No, he's made uh, a few solidly great movies, though, I, I outside think a, of genre I think A Simple filmmaking. Plan is probably his best film. Yeah. Uh, but he's also done a lot of really exciting genre films. He did a, a superhero film called Darkman. Darkman uh, is the great. Early 90s. And if you love mm. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, all the DNA is in Darkman. He reuses shots and yeah, sequences. There's, there's like shots from Darkman that show up in <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man. Darkman is, Darkman is basically, what if a universe Universal horror monster was a superhero. That's Dark Man, and it's made with all the panache of a Spider-Man movie. It's really, really great. He did a fantastic western called The Quick and the Dead, uh-huh. uh, starring Sharon Stone as a woman who enters a quick draw contest, full of amazing character actors like um, uh, Gene Hackman is the main bad guy. Gene Hackman, His... Russell Crowe, before anyone knew who he was. That's right. Uh, Lance Henriksen, Leonardo Leonard DiCaprio. Yeah, 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 Leonardo DiCaprio, who the studio didn't want, so Sharon Stone had him like had like paid him out of her own salary. Because she wanted to work with I, young Elena DiCaprio. Because she was, she was the big star at the time. That yeah. movie came out in the mid-90s after uh, Basic Instinct, which yeah. made her... Like, Basic Instinct, Sliver, Casino. Yeah. She was on a she was on a roll. And this was like a big passion project for her. And that movie is so damn much fun. <laughs> like, it's really, really exciting. And then he went through this kind of like semi-serious phase where he did A Simple Plan, which mm-hmm. is... Um, 
uh, a thriller about a bunch of friends who find some money in the like woods and how it tears like, them apart in really kind of, kind tragic of, ways. Like kind of these dim guys who are really yeah. poor and they yeah they find this big suitcase of money and they don't know what to do and yeah, yeah. it just sort of tears them apart. It's it's th- uh, that story's been done before but rarely been done as mm-hmm. well or better than a, a simple w- plan. Wonderful performers. Bill Paxton is the lead yeah. in that one. Uh, Billy He's Bob one of his best his brother. Yeah, it's yeah. really really great. Bill uh, Thornton was nominated for an Oscar for that one. He was. Yeah. Uh, he also did uh, a, a movie that I haven't seen called For the Love of the Game. Mm. I think it's uh, just For Love of the Game. No, it's for the love of the game, and uh, oh god, I can never remember. Yeah, and uh, that's about the Detroit Tigers. He's from Detroit, so it's a, a baseball movie. It's about a fictional pitcher. No, nope, uh, it's is... just for love of the game. Oh my god, I got it wrong. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think they were gonna name it for the love of the game, and then they shortened it. All right, uh, but for, yeah, for Kevin love Costner of... is 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 a pitcher, and it's all the framing device is he he's pitching a perfect game, and he doesn't realize it yet. Mm-hmm. And while he's pitching a perfect game, he flashes back to like the story of his life. No. Um, it's okay. All right. It's pretty good. I've seen it. Uh, it's not, it's, a, not, it's hardly Sam Raimi's best movie, but it's a perfectly good baseball movie. Something I've learned, um, a, a little fun trademark of Sam Raimi's is he always includes the same car in yeah. all of his movies. It's it's a 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Yeah, he found a way and, to uh, hide it in the quick and the dead even. Yeah, he like, he <laughs> it's like, like there somewhere. <laughs> it's also in uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, yeah? Well, pieces of it. Ah. Uh, he like kind of took it apart and like put pieces of the car on the side. I remember when he made Spider-Man, it's the car where Uncle Ben Uncle has ben the is stage and it's car, just like, yeah. oh my God, that car has had such a great career. <laughs> Cars had such and, an amazing career. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, like they yeah. do, like the convention circuit a lot, and they oh, yeah. talked a lot about the car. And uh, Bruce Campbell is a bullshitter; like he loves to lie and tell yeah. stories. So I don't know if this is true, but he claims that Sam Raimi had sex for the first time in the car. <laughs> I, I buy it. I buy it. Uh, I buy it. He's also he's also claimed that he hates that car, and if and and Sam pull, Raimi has to pieces hi- off of it, Sam yeah. Raimi has to hide it from him because if he ever finds it, he will destroy it. <laughs> You can never really be sure if Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell like like or hate each other. Bruce Campbell should have played Doctor Strange. Oh, he would have been fun. Uh, But because uh, let's just skip ahead. Real real fast, Um, he made the Spider-Man movies. mm -hmm. Those were he was kind of an odd choice for it at the time because he was a big horror director. But he ended up knocking him out of the park. He he made one really good Spider-Man movie. I would argue made at least two. But in any case, they were these gigantic four-quadrant hits that took superhero movies out of the realm of just action movies, like Mm. dude movies, and into movies that were like these crowd-pleasing. It could be a a romance. It could be a coming-of-age film. It was was everything all at once. Well, it was was following the Superman mold from 1978. In many ways, yeah. uh, 2002. Uh, so they were kind of just updating it with like a lot of modern special effects. Yeah. Uh, it was the familiar character, and the, the yeah. fr- that first Spider-Man was a huge hit. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man Two is one of the best of all superhero movies. I would argue uh, yes, and I think Spider-Man Three is some has some good bits I, in it. People I think, don't get I think right enough. For one it. and three are kind of lugubrious, overwritten movies. Yeah, uh, he also, uh, and then after that, he kind of like struggled. It, it's somewhere in the middle there. He made the gift. With Kate yeah, Blanchett, which is a pretty uh, good supernatural thriller. I, I've said this about Sam Raimi before. I think he's way more interesting a director when he's dealing uh, with low budgets and uh, needing to rely on his own creativity. I agree. Uh, the bigger the movie he's working on, the less interesting it is. So Often, yes. you look look at something like uh, Spider-Man or Spider-Man 3 or Oz the Great and Powerful. These are big studio pictures. Mm-hmm. And I sense a lot less of him in those movies. But then in the middle there, he did Drag Me to Hell, which is this low budget... Very vicious horror movie he made <laughs> about uh, a young woman who thinks she's like doing everything she can to live the best possible life, and the one time she makes a horribly selfish decision, it backfires on her in the most gruesome possible way. Mm. It is a fiercely angry moral movie. It, it could it could have been a, a thirty minute Tales from the Crypt, but it is a good Tales one. Crypt, but it's very uh, it's go- mm. the seance scene mm. in Drag Me to Hell. 
if you ever have a chance to see that on the big screen, that is one of the best audio presentations I've ever heard on everything. <laughs> it was all around you like a That's fucking really cool. theme park ride. Like they mm. nailed that shit. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he did Oz the Great and Powerful, which is not good. And um, I like it more than most, but it's not uh, that good. No, I, 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 I think it's just okay. I like it about as much as most, which is to say yeah. not not very much. Okay. And um, yeah, and he's sort of been out of acting or out of out of directing for of a long time. Action yeah. for a long yeah. time, uh, and here he is back with uh, the twenty eighth film in the Avengers series. Mm. Um, he, I, he did see <clears throat> Spider Man No Way Home, which also has Doctor Strange in it. Yeah, and also uh, the Spider Man that he directed, uh, Tobey Maguire. Yeah, Tobey Maguire ended up yeah, in that one. Kind yeah. of ends up in that movie. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of, of bringing it around, <clears throat> bringing me, full, circle. Uh, full circle, in a little bit. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, is about the multiverse, which they've been frustratingly slow walking throughout a lot of the, uh, yeah. the, the the more recent Marvel projects. Loki is all about the multiverse. Loki, Loki was about, okay, if you haven't followed along the TV shows, I'm going to give you a quick primer here uh, because it, fo- it directly follows two of them. Uh, one was WandaVision. If you recall, uh, Wanda was in love with the Vision, the android, and then he died. And then in WandaVision, she... He's th- alive again. Well, he's, he's alive again, and it turns out that she had used her powers without even really thinking about like subconsciously to create an idyllic world for her and Vision and their new children, which she invented with her mind. Uh, but in order to do that, she took over an entire town and kept everyone in the town like, like enslaved real to her, people, yeah, yeah. enslaved to the script she was making in her heads, which were all based on like sitcoms that she loved as a kid. And that was a really good show. It was a good show about a superhero doing the wrong thing for an understandable reason, growing as a character, and actually dealing with grief in a way that most superhero movies aren't allowed to do because they have to just oh someone died oh no well we still have to fight Thanos so we don't we'll talk we'll do a quick funeral later and that'll cover all of it like no it's actually really about grief and I appreciated that I thought there was actually some depth to it yeah um, and then there was Loki which isn't so much related to this except it clarified that there used to only be one timeline uh, but there was only one timeline because someone had tried to make it that way. Someone that actually was had conspired to make sure that there were no branching timelines. There was only one universe. And after the end of season one of Loki, Loki fucked everything up. Mm. And now the multiverse is branching out in, in I, infinite possibilities. Look, I, I've seen Spock with a beard. I know what a multiverse anyway. is. I, I don't, I'm frustrated that they kind of hinted at it and have been sort of introducing it in this way. I feel like, like we could have just jumped in, but in yeah, any and, case, and, what are you going to uh, uh, And then because, Spider-Man sort of broke because, that uh, open a little bit. And I feel like uh, Marvel Comics and their scripts are... Uh, in this particular series is going to wizard magic as like a big catch all. It's like, I'm going to erase everybody's memory. Oops. I sucked in characters from other movies. I don't see how those two things are related at all. Everyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man is, is suddenly in our universe. How, how and why does... aren't there infinite Spider-Mans? I don't understand here. Why does <laughs> what, the... what is what is going on? Also, one know. of them didn't know he was Spider-Man. How does that fucking work? Mm. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so... It... It's the uh, why did that happen, wizard? Yeah. So now we ha- now we have a movie. It's actually about- a Simpsons joke about that where they're asking Xena like questions uh, about the show, <laughs> like, and they're like, whenever so- whenever something like that happens, a wizard did it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a movie about that wizard who did it, yeah. uh, and it's about uh, a character who has a superpower. Her name is America Chavez. Mm. And uh, I'm, I'm going to mangle her name. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it's pronounced Hotitel... Uh, Gomez. Hotitel Gomez. And uh, she plays America Chavez, and she can... Her superpower is she can 
travel between dimensions, but she can't control her powers. Yeah, if she could control her powers, she could do it at will. But instead, whenever she is panicked or scared, she opens a portal into another plane of the multiverse. Mm -hmm. And she or someone she knows gets sucked into another reality. Uh, And uh, she is being hunted at the beginning of the movie. And we'll we'll go zero spoilers for a minute as we set this up. And then we'll just say we're going to talk about spoilers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zero spoilers. Very first thing you see in the movie. Uh, she's being chased by giant interdimensional big, demons. Big monster of some kind. They're, they're trying to stop her, and, and they... she ends up jumping into the reality of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it. Uh, they call it Earth 616, which pisses me off. Well, that's, because that's, that's the, the comic uh, book universe. That's not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe would be like point, 617 yeah. or something. Because yeah, um, now, now you're just fucking it up. Now the comic book universe can't be the comic book universe and we can never visit that. Which oh, is a weird I, thing I, to I, do. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. this should I, not I, be I actually, 616. I knew that or the demen- because there's a lot of like dimension hopping throughout comic history. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I knew that the, the sort of the central... Marvel Comics Universe was Marvel 616. I think Alan Moore named it that in something, and I can't remember when. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a, a long time ago, someone called so it yeah, that, just the, stuck. They've yeah. designated our dimension Earth 616, and uh, he uh, he thinks that they're, uh, Doctor Strange, that is, thinks he has to leave uh, his once-beloved wedding. Uh-huh. Uh, Rachel McAdams is getting married. Yeah, well, well, uh, well during the blip, uh, where everyone died for five years, including Doctor Strange, uh, whatever they were working with together uh, at the end of the first Doctor Strange movie, she moved on. She met another guy. Mm. They're getting married. He's going to her wedding. He's trying to be happy for her, but secretly he's dying inside because that mm. sucks. Um, uh, this is all uh, thanks to Michael Stuhlbarg, who plays Basil Exposition. He sits down. <laughs> yeah, next, he sits down next to, to Doctor Strange early in the movie. It's like so. Um, you're still doing the backstory, right? Yes. And you still have these character issues you need to work on? Yes. And uh, this is the theme of the movie, right? And he says, <laughs> yes. That That's their conversation. It's I, like he, the most brazenly uh, transparent apparently way Apparently he was in the, the first Doctor Strange. I have no memory of him in the first Doctor Strange I, I, at all. I, I assume he was very, one of the other Doctors. I remember very little about the first Doctor yeah, Strange. I, remember, uh, I thought I remembered it fine. I forgot Michael Stuhlbarg was in it. <laughs> I mean, um, he's a very good actor. He's but, a brilliant actor. He's one of the but, best actors yeah, we've got. He has to leave the wedding to go fight an octopus monster that's yeah. uh, about to eat America Chavez. Um, yeah, and then they end up... They end up he suspects that... Uh, the demons after her uh, have something to do with witchcraft, so nah. it's the witch he knows, and that is uh, the Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch from WandaVision, played by Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, and and it, uh, this this leads that... to I'm going to stop it right here, all right? Uh, because just spoiler stuff. Uh, this leads to a chase through the multiverse. We're going to start talking about stuff that was kept out of the advertising. Okay, it shouldn't be a spoiler because it's really it's, early it's like in the, the movie. First act of the movie, it's, it's really it's like yeah. it's shockingly early in the movie. Actually, like I was surprised mm. at how quickly they just jumped right into this. But we're gonna start talking about spoilers. So if you don't want to have this spoiled for you, if you haven't seen the movie yet, and uh, if you care, mm. uh, then now's a good time to pause it. Maybe come back after you've seen it. We've already talked about the other movies. You've gotten the whole episode. Uh, everyone else. We're not going to maybe talk about every single detail of it, but we're going to get to stuff that most people would consider spoilers because it was kept out of the advertising Mm -hmm. in three, two, Mm -hmm. one. So Doctor Strange goes to see uh, the Scarlet Witch ostensibly to help. And immediately she says, oh, by the way, I'm the villain. She she's uh, she has a book called The Darkhold, which is yeah. the Marvel version of the Necronomicon. Yeah. And uh, and she's been made extra evil and extra powerful by it. And she's like, I... uh, and and she also dumps all of this exposition so on us much. by saying, uh, it turns out when you dream, mm-hmm. you're actually viewing alternate dimensions. So Which I've, is a 
big bit of mythology to yeah. dump in the MCU. So every dream you've ever had uh, is, is is a reality in another dimension. Which is a fun and thing to think about, but my God, that's a lot. She created... You can't have prophetic dreams anymore. I didn't see you WandaVision, like... but I can kind of intuit that she created these fake children in WandaVision. Uh-huh. These two sons of hers. Yeah, she did. And she still dreams of them, so she knows they're real. And now she But was, they're real in another reality. But now she wants to break into other dimensions. And you would think Doctor Strange would say, well, I did that by accident once. So mm. maybe if we study, I'll just get you into that dimension. Some dimension was, where yeah. the, the other version of you died of natural causes no. and you can or, just... Or just kill there. that other person. Who cares? Well, uh, I, it's... let's not be outwardly evil. Can we maybe find some kind of, <laughs> some kind of compromise here? There's got to be some uh, dimension uh, where they're... And, but they but no, he says you, you can't do it because it's bad for some reason. Yeah. And, what uh, is bad? You can't kill. You can't just like kill everyone. This mm. this young girl knows, and then like steal her life force, well, and then yeah, the you, idea you know. was she wanted to jump into other dimensions, and so she has a plan to suck out America Chavez's dimension hopping powers for herself and put yeah. them in her own body and jump into a dimension where she can live with her sons. Yeah, in, in this idyllic. So Sorry. now Doctor Strange and Wong, mm. uh, they have to defend uh, America Chavez from the Scarlet Witch, and eventually they flee uh, into other dimensions. Yeah. And there's a big fight. There's, there's a cool. There's some cool magic fight stuff, and then uh, yeah, America Chavez opens the door to another dimension, and they end up. They spend most of the movie in only one other dimension, which feels yeah. a little bit like a missed opportunity. There is a, a a fun special effects sequence where yeah. uh, they're passing through multiple dimensions like a second at a time, and yeah. then we kind of see their bodies change. As There's like through. one There's where they're one animated. Like animated, one that looks like their bodies are made of paint. Yeah, kind of like what dreams may come. Yeah, yeah. And, and very briefly for like three seconds it's pretty visually dazzling and then mm. it just thuds to the ground again they just they I, just stop doing that yeah eventually and uh just sort of skipping ahead a little bit there's yeah. a, a bit where we get to see a lot of exciting cameos from other characters that are yeah really kind of insignificant to this movie and they 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 they, <clears throat> um, they introduce them and go oh isn't that cool and then they just like it's a sam raimi joke basically yeah, I, we're gonna I, show I you love... something cool and then we're gonna pull the rug out from you uh, which admittedly is totally the, a, something you'd do the pulling the rug is the greatest part of all of the these cameos yeah it's like something unexpected happens with those characters and that's great but apart from like a few very fleeting moments of inspired lunacy that sam raimi is kind of bringing to this uh-huh. this film is a mess oh it's a huge uh, mess it, it's really weirdly written yeah uh it feels like they didn't think out the plot very well there's oh, a lot don't. of mythology uh- it's a sequel to like multiple things simultaneously uh-huh. but it's not like those things are coming together and in fact it actually breaks the internal logic that a lot of this i, I want to talk about that because there's mm. some things that the movie does that just literally don't make any sense even mm. within the fake universe they've created um, it's weirdly straightforward. It's basically, oh no, we have to protect this girl, mm. and then we do, and there's a bunch of things standing in our way, and sometimes we fight them. This leads to occasionally a really neat action sequence. There's one action sequence in this movie mm. where uh, Doctor Strange gets to fight somebody using music. Yeah, like, and I've never seen that before. I thought that I, I was kind of neat. I had seen it in like Looney Tunes. Yeah, uh, I but, guess um, maybe. Yeah, but like, yeah, that was that was nifty. That was just came out of nowhere. It, it was a little. Nifty. That was kind of fun. I could you know? see what Sam Raimi was going for, but it felt like there was a even that scene was like dripping with compromise. Sure, where there was like a lot of the. Uh, a lot of music is in the scene, but rather yeah. than just let that music score the scene, there's a score underneath it as well. So it yeah, kind of fair under, undercuts it. I a see bit. your point. Yeah, there's also uh, a, there's also a late in the game 
plot point that is genuinely horror movie grotesque. And yeah, that they, was cool. The, the, that was a legitimate, that was there, a good idea. Good it was well hard, implemented. Yeah, some good heart, like haunted yeah. house kind of movie stuff and like demons and, and skeletons are all around. And yeah. that, that felt very Sam Raimi. But again, very fleeting moments, moments. Of, of fun stuff when, yeah. before it just sort of gets back to yeah. doing something really bland. Very clunky storyline. And th- the thing... I can handle a superhero movie that's pretty thin and is just there to give us some fun action. That's mm. that's fine. There's perfectly well, good I, movies that are I'm like okay that. I'm okay with that if the filmmakers are having fun. And I don't get that sense from this. Every movie. once in a while you get a moment where it's just like, okay, they were having fun here. Mm. Most of the time it feels like they're going through the motions. And that's very, very frustrating mm. when you're literally limitless possibilities inherent to the narrative. Well, um, and that's the most frustrating thing yeah. about it is it's the multiverse of madness. There's no madness. In I love way, that. Yeah. Ti- that title has so much promise. That title, like, I to check, this movie cannot catch. Yeah, we, we want to see them skipping from dimension to dimension every 10 minutes or so. And they're yeah. animated in this one sequence. You could get really creative with it. Yeah. They did that in a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah. Which is a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still haven't seen that one, ironically. Yeah. But um, the thing that I think infuriates me the most, because I can handle a superhero movie that's not great, mm. but has some cool sequences, and then we're in and out, and I had a reasonably yeah. good time. Like, I can handle that. Like, I, I can give you, maybe not a pass, but I can be forgiving. I'd be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Just, a, just a lark. Mm. Um, what pisses me off about this is, uh, is the way that it follows WandaVision. Which I actually thought is one of the best things Marvel has ever done as a cinematic enterprise. For the reasons I said. Mm. Uh, It was cleverly presented and it was actually about something. It was about something meaningful. It actually had intelligent character work and um, Mm. it dealt with the very simple reality of what is it like to grieve when you're a god? How do you do that differently? And you get to see Wanda make some really difficult choices here. And you get to see Elizabeth Olsen really stretch her range. She's fantastic in that story. Um, That story ends with Wanda realizing that using her ability to warp reality itself uh, for selfish reasons uh, is unhealthy. It's not a good way to grieve. And she willingly says goodbye to her children and yeah. this fake version of the vision that she's created. Right. And it's very potent. And it really just, it feels like we've really gone somewhere. And then now it's like, no, fuck it. I'm evil now. And mm. not even evil in a way that makes sense. Because the whole idea so is, mm. I want I want my kids. That's what I want. I want well, my kids. Here's the deal. Uh, if you're evil now, the thing that you agreed to give up at the end of WandaVision because it was evil was creating your kids from out of nothing because you can alter reality to your will. Mm. Well, Why don't you, you just do that? Just do it again. You don't yeah. need to go through this all this multi. How did you even know America Chavez existed? You just need to do the thing you said you wouldn't do. And there's because a, and that one, no, no one gets hurt in that one. There's Those aren't even kids that you brainwashed. Those are just you made them up. Problem fucking solved. <laughs> this movie doesn't need to exist. It's a. And, it uh, makes no fucking well, sense. I, I was, and on top of it, we've gone back and all that character development. And yeah, she she read an evil book, but. That's not a good plot point. Well, that's also, stupid. Also, like, not, the, I, not that I need setups and all. Yeah. I know that's sort of like the rise on death of a lot of this. They introduce something like five movies ago, yeah, and yeah. then they bring them back. Foreshadowing. And couple, yeah, but all of these things interconnect. That's the selling point of these movies. It is. Um, I don't need a, it's fun. I don't need a setup for the book. So I think she read an evil book, and now she's an evil witch, and yeah. she's fighting an evil witch. I would be that's fine. I would be fine with mm. that 
if we hadn't gone through a whole series of her well, here's, growing beyond that. Here's my issue. We have this evil villainous witch. She's a bad guy. Uh, I didn't see the TV series, so yeah. I, I can't speak to her arc. Okay. I can't speak to the arc of Doctor Strange, because I've seen him in five or six movies now. Yeah. Mm, and uh, if you sort of trace sort of where he came from, and I was, this was really uh, very, uh, put forth in a very demonic sort of way in multiverse. Mm. Uh, he started out as kind of this arrogant dickhead. He was a, a yeah. surgeon. And uh, he was in an accident and he injured his hands and he couldn't mm. be a surgeon anymore. And then he gained some so, sort of enlightenment. So yeah, so he, he yeah. went, uh, in order to heal his hands, he tried all these experimental theory, uh, like therapies. He ended up going into uh, the, the mountains of Latveria or wherever it was. Yeah, and, some um, fictional country, I forget what. And uh, sought like a mystic solution just so he could heal his hands and be a celebrity surgeon again. And uh, it turns out he ran into this like hidden cadre of wizards and they trained him to be a wizard instead. And the whole idea was he was supposed to kind of learn enlightenment and yeah. lighten his soul and become a, a much better it's person. Grow his, it's basically the Tony Stark thing, except he's a doctor. Uh, and instead of becoming but, an Iron Man, he becomes a wizard. But he becomes kind of power mad almost right away. Like yeah. he steals shit and starts yeah. confronting demons and doing things against the rules he's really still, fast. He's still a cocky asshole. He, yeah. And he never he has never stopped being a cocky asshole. Yeah. And what power has done is corrupt him because... Uh, th- there's a rather significant, and we've whinged about this endlessly, um, a, a moment in Avengers Infinity War where he has a magical widget that lets him see forward in time. Yeah. And uh, he looks forward into the future and says, there's only one way we can defeat Thanos. Yeah. And oh, Literally well, only the one. Okay, well, there's, there's no tension there. Just do that. Uh, yeah. But um, the word he uses is defeat. Now, we learn later on that means killing Thanos. Yeah. Uh, this This was the path that had to happen. This is the only way to, to and technically him. killing him twice. Yeah, they, they murder him, they murder this guy twice. <laughs> yeah, they decapitate him and they turn him into dust. Like it's pretty fucking brutal. But all right, <laughs> yeah. um, I like to kill half the universe. Fine, I'd say it's. Yeah. I don't believe in capital <laughs> punishment, I but I understand why some might in that situation. Uh, I, I'm beginning to think that uh, Doctor Strange was ignoring all of the part, uh, all of the. Uh, possibilities where they redeemed him and saved him in some way. Thanos. Well, we understand that uh, the multiverse, and the granted there's only one mm-hmm. timeline, but he's looking at all the possible timelines, uh, is infinite. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, yes, I looked at like, I forget what the number like is. billions or something. I looked, like I looked at like one million universes, and I'm like, great. So you looked at less than 1% of the possibilities. <laughs> like, I'm unimpressed, and it sounds like you were kind of looking for the shit that would fit the way you wanted this yeah. thing to go. Agreed, yeah. So, uh, he's he's resorted to extremes a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, the uh, one of the uh, a more amusing minute um, in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is... Uh, Spider-Man asks Mr. Wizard to erase everybody's memory of the, yeah. of the fact that he's Spider-Man. The fact that people know that I'm Spider-Man and it's ruined a lot of lives and my friends can't get into college and that's not fair to them. Would you please erase everyone's memory and for, help them forget I'm Spider-Man? Yeah, and, and, and he's and like, he, sure, I, we saved the world together. I owe you one. You know, that so, kind of so thing. So he starts casting these complicated spells about erasing the world's memory, which is pretty extreme. It's huge. Uh, and a, it's a, a really violation of everybody. It's really uh, irresponsible. And only after do, he does it does he think, wait a minute, did you even appeal to the college board? You could have just talked to somebody else. Like, I'm sorry. I, he says, like, I'm sorry. I know you, I'm sure you appealed to the college board and they said no. And Spider-Man's like, uh, you didn't ask them to reconsider? <laughs> and so, Which is really also, he, he's mad at Spider-Man. 
you should have asked. Yeah. Or, you jumped into rewriting the so, brainwaves uh, of everyone on the planet so the, really willy-nilly. The time we get to Multiverse of Madness, there, there are plenty of scenes where uh, he faces off against demonic characters, and eventually he'll start doing the dark arts himself. Yeah. He'll start opening evil books and, like, drawing pentagrams on the ground and floating, yeah. floating in a circle of candles. Yeah. Uh, there's necromancy and damned souls and all of this, like, evil shit. Some of it looks really uh, cool. It looks really cool, yeah. but, like, clearly he's become a monster at this point. Well, he's start, certainly he flirting with it. He literally becomes a monster He's certainly, f- well, okay, yes, technically, yes, but <laughs> immorally, he's certainly flirting with it. Yeah, okay. and uh, and the movie ends with uh, sort of this hoisted on his own petard moment, where he's kind of been yeah. corrupted. Yeah. Like, the, the, the denouement, it's like yeah. the epilogue, is, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, there I'm, might be consequences There's for consequences this. to all this, oh, God, I'm evil. And then there's another scene afterwards. And then afterwards. there's another scene after that that completely undercuts <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's basically so, like, the ending of the movie he, is, oh, shit. There are consequences. Then there's a mid-credit scene, like, oh, so there were literally none. There's no. Co- he's, oh, I've never seen a movie undo itself like immediately like that. He's now he he's evil, but now he's okay. Like I've he's never immediately seen a movie, okay with that. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a movie undo itself with its credit sequence. Yeah, like yeah. the movie like had an ending, and it's like it was a pretty good ending. Like I liked that they ended well, that way, and then like it's just, a you chilling kind of thing. Do it it's like we def- immediately like the next thing uh, we see, or it's a chilling thing. Like we defeated the bad guy, but oh, it looks like he's still alive, and that's sort of like a Something, shocking yeah. double back. But, but you, uh, know, you don't want to just undermine that the next scene. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. Um, uh, it's a it's an a budget. Oh yeah, really expensive. incredibly expensive uh, studio picture. Look. Yet somehow it looks and feels really cheap. Well, it feels really cheap because there's not a lot to it really. It mm. feels really cheap because the drama isn't earned. The drama is uh, people. I've heard people I'm just like, talking like technically. I'm some talking of the, some of the CGI doesn't well, look very good. Okay, fair enough. But that's that's I think some of that stylized. That might be a matter of taste. Mm. But I think the fact that it feels so perfunctory. Now, some people, some people say, like, no, it's okay that Wanda's evil now because she read an evil book. And I'm like, okay, A, that's a very low standard for character development. But uh, B, even if we accept that evil book makes character evil, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm, we're I'm just jumping part, in yeah. there without really establishing any real drama, aren't we? Like, we're not really taking the characters super seriously if that's literally all there is to this. So we don't have a lot to work with here. I think... The main thing we get from here, aside from, again, some neat sequences, some cool cameos, all that stuff is fun. But I think the thing that we really get here is, and I, again, I'm, gonna, I'm bad with names. Uh, is it Shodel? Shostel? I, I think it's uh, Hochitel. I think it's Hochitel. Hochitel. Okay, it Hochitel Gomez, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. I think they're great. I think they have a lot of charm. They have a lot of charisma. They have... Uh, they do a lot with a character who knows more about the multiverse than anyone else because she's actually wandered Apologies. through it. Sochi. Okay, her name was Sochi Gomez. Sochi Gomez. Apologies. Sochi Gomez. She's uh, a Mexican actress. Yeah, yeah, and she's good. Uh, she knows more about the multiverse than anyone else, but she's still a kid and she's mm-hmm. still really vulnerable. And I think there's a lot of scenes between her and Benedict Cumberbatch where you mm-hmm. see just like, okay, she's a find. Yeah. She's clearly a very talented actor. She's going to get her own show or movie or something like that. And I look forward to seeing it because she's really good. I know she can carry it. Uh, that's cool. There's a couple of really neat sequences in here. But yeah, this is just a big old sloppy kiss of a movie. Yeah. And I didn't want you no. to sloppy kiss me right now. I kind of wanted you to, to put some effort into it. it again, if you're going to be sloppy, be sloppy in the service of your enthusiasm. No, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of movies that are sloppy, and mm-hmm. they do have a lot of uh, elements that don't fit together really well. Mm-hmm. They have sort of weird ideas that don't click just correctly. But but there's so much enthusiasm. Th- there's, yeah, there's a lot. I, I feel that way about uh, Sorry to Bother You. That mm-hmm. that movie is a little, yeah. bit, a little bit 
slipshod in sequences, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of big ideas in that, and you can yeah. tell that the director Boots Riley is really yeah. trying to put a lot of thought fully into committed that. to it. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the sillier moments that don't quite work, I'm totally willing to overlook because it's actually in service of a, a lot more uh, filmmaking enthusiasm. I feel like. Sam Raimi isn't bringing that here. No. He's, he clearly, feels work for hire here. He's, he's definitely yeah. worked for hire. There's he's definitely sequences he was more interested in than others. Brought in to but, do yeah. like a, sort of his shtick. Um, yeah. And he got to do some of his trademarks. Bruce yeah. Campbell has a cameo. Uh, that's yeah. not a spoiler. No, uh, we, all, we all knew. The Oldsmobile is in it. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, like he finds, he yeah. finds there are moments where there are clearly sequences where Sam Raimi was sufficiently invested in making this look cool mm. that that looked cool. Yeah. Uh, there's also a lot of it, which is just people walking around having boring conversations. Yeah, there's also a lot of it that's just, you know, standard superhero yeah, villain uh, monologuing shtick. You know, it's I'm, I'm, not all great. I've, I've realized more and more, the more of these movies I've seen, just how sort of bland a lot of the production design is. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of these uh, fights have to take place in sort of open areas, Yeah. there's not a lot of room for detail uh, in throughout large sequences of these movies. Yeah. There's a scene in this movie where Dr. Strange has to face off against a panel of judges, the Illuminati. Uh, you've yeah. probably heard about them. They've been advertising these things. Yeah. Um, I don't want to ruin uh, who's in it, who, or, who's in yeah. it or any of the yeah. like, but it's surprises cool. it's from a cool the Illuminati. Reveal, yeah. It's yeah, a fun, fun little moment. couple surprises. Uh, I was a little surprised as to who was in it. Yeah. I don't understand the design of the room that Oh, it's, it's a stupid room. It's, it, yeah. The room makes like, no sense whatsoever. Like, there's, there's like a like moat. A, I don't understand. There's a row of thrones and a moat and like this lower area and then this big and it's really wall. ugly it's... architecture like put a fucking painting up for god's yeah, sake like, like uh... dr doom isn't in this movie but if he was he dr doom cares yeah, like there'd be he torches and they shit, would make yeah. it look cool like you know and they, like and they try to throw you off by showing these like big establishing shots that are all cgi yeah. matte paintings yeah. like here's what the city looks like and then we never see it again yeah i don't really um, i don't give a shit about any of that it's like uh, they did that with the the thor movies as well here's what asgard looks like oh it looks like shit oh and we also never see it okay so maybe yeah, that's actually okay. one thing i keep thinking about is i enjoy most of the marvel movies i really do uh, i at least enjoy most I've, of them I've, like i've enjoyed I've, watching most of them c- clearly i've lost a lot of interest yeah, well, I was about, but, I was about um, to get to this. I, yeah. I, I enjoy watching them. I even enjoyed this to some extent. They're, like, they're there's all... definitely, I definitely didn't have, like, a bad time watching it. I'm just explaining why I don't think it's a very good movie. They're, they're but all... I could still enjoy myself in the theater because they're, enough yeah. of it was neat that I could get through and have a decent there's enough time. Glittery, they're all, like, a, mm. a certain kind of, like, glittery, shiny yeah. It's, it's it's a good, it's a good, toy, it's a good know? theme park attraction, but it's not necessarily a good movie. Like, that's where I'm at with it. But, what I'm finding more and more is that there are very few Marvel Cinematic Universe movies that I have any desire to rewatch, even if I enjoyed them a lot. <laughs> like the only I haven't had the opportunity yet. I think I'll probably watch No Way Home again at some point because I actually think mm. they pulled it off pretty good. Right. I, I think they had a decently emotional storyline. But a lot of these are so disposable or so just kind of well, clunky yeah, that yeah. I just I don't think i'm gonna watch this one again i just it's just sort of uh, like it's just sort of eh. we're 28 films into this thing and a lot of what i find curious about the marvel cinematic universe is there isn't a kind of universally agreed upon best 
Uh, opinion seems to differ wildly. There's some that there's are a, there's, pretty, a, there's a pantheon. There's like a handful that usually get thrown around. I, I know um, uh, Avengers: Infinity War is usually at the top. I think Endgame um, is usually towards the end, towards the top um, at least. Uh, uh, Black Panther is often Black at the Panther top. is usually at the Winter top. Winter Soldier, um, Civil Wind War, and um, um, uh, I think No Way Home is probably entering that conversation. I, I, I have my issues with with most most of those. I think uh, I, I do like Black Panther. Yeah. I do like Iron Man three. Yeah, uh, you and me both. I, I uh, I'm maybe unreasonably attracted to Eternals. I think there's yeah. a lot of interesting sci-fi. You liked stuff it more than that. I did. Yeah, but I, the thing, the reason I think the superhero stuff is is the worst part of Eternals. Yeah, it's I agree. the uh, like history of civilization stuff well, the, that I really the like. ones that I keep wanting, to, the ones that I do want to come back to, mm. are the ones that connect beyond a superhero movie. Yeah, like yeah, Black yeah. Panther is about something interesting. Mm. Uh, what was uh, No Way Home has an emotional storyline, and I mm-hmm. do appreciate that. Uh, Winter Soldier actually is at the least attempting mm. in a comic book way to engage with no, uh, uh, some political ideas. I I appreciate that and mm. that level of narrative ambition, at least thematic ambition makes the good ones stand out and the the how absolutely thin this one is what's what's this one about uh don't piss off the scarlet witch well again if if we're going to do if we were going to do full bore sam raimi uh, yeah. and look at his best movies something like uh evil dead 2 i'm very fond of army of darkness sure Th- these movies are like 83 minutes they're just in <laughs> yeah a, they're very tidy yeah. if he made this on a budget and mm-hmm. it was only 83 minutes long it was about an evil witch fr- fighting a wizard who was like had to resort oh, to necromancy if this was dr mordred 2 that would have been a fun movie that probably would have been badass i think it yeah. was it was sort of bogged been down from by the, the too. requirements of these gig- of its size well, I, and, and you and i could forget give all the you just you just introduce a new evil witch there's plenty mm. make it morgan lefay you sure. know something like she's in the marvel universe like it's from literature as well but or, or whatever li- or lilith just, yeah she's something in it as well yeah 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 so just this is a new villain i just say and i'm evil and i want this america chavez person i'm like cool mm. i'm easy that's great let's just like move I'm, on i've conquered, I've conquered give eight, her some depth later but right now it's just bad guy I've conquered eight dimensions but uh, the, but, the, but the black knight cut what? off my head once and that i can't do it marvel now. has struggled often to have really strong villains because their emphasis has always been on the hero, mm-hmm. and as a result, the villains are often just kind of there. They, they drive know? the plot yeah. rather than our there characters are, under themselves. More and more, there are noteworthy exceptions to this. Black Panther is a great example, mm-hmm. where uh, Killmonger is actually the, very principled. It actually has ideas that even Black Panther admits there's some validity to that. Well, that, that's why I like uh, Iron Man 3. I think it's yeah. something really kind of clever with the villain in that movie. Yeah, the villains are actually taking Iron Man to task in a lot of ways. Um, that movie is actually also about trauma, which I appreciate. It's a, actually a complete film in and of itself um but or um uh even shang chi uh uh tony mm. leung elevated that villain quite well i think yeah, but I mean, um i feel i feel like he's better than the part but, uh, <laughs> agreed but you know that that's what casting is it's yeah, trying mm-hmm. to make the part as good as it can be um but um yeah, so I'm I'm willing to forgive a Marvel movie for having just kind of like a straightforward villain as long as like, you know, they're reasonably threatening or have some cool scenes or whatever like that. But when you're undermining work you've already done to make the character strong. And again, yeah, I know she read the Dark Hold later. Mm. I don't fucking care. <laughs> that is the movie gave the show gave you that to set up the film. It doesn't mean it was done well. It's incredibly clunky. Like, just imagine, imagine if you will, uh, you get out of Spider-Man No Way Home and the, oh, the closing credit scene mm. was Spider-Man just like, okay, well, I guess I'm on my own now. I'd better go to the library. Oh, what's this book? 
And then the next movie, he's just cartoonishly evil and we never talk about it. Like, it's pretty uh, well, thin, right? We just went through like, a lot with Spider-Man. Like, like, like it doesn't work. It, it, even if if we're going to ignore all of that, you have to make a fun movie out of it. Yeah. You have to make it cartoonishly... You have to make want to forgive you. Yeah. It has to be so much fun that it doesn't matter. If, yeah. if they chased uh, WandaVision with something that was as wild as Army of Darkness, yeah. I would have been completely pleased. I probably uh, would have been a lot more forgiving, yeah. Uh, and, and it was all, and it was short and it was done on a shoestring and yeah. it was Sam Raimi doing his shtick. I don't care about the shoestring as long as it's good, but fair enough. Yeah, I, I feel like budget yeah. limitations encourage creativity. Um, Often is the case, but whatever. Yeah. I, and that's something, that's something that does bug me in this is that a lot of the CGI in this movie doesn't feel like it has any weight. Mm-hmm. Like the opening like big battle, they're fighting this giant octopus monster yeah, in, the in streets New, of New York. And yeah. it should be a big fucking deal. They're fighting a fucking kaiju. And yet, even though there's this giant thing and it's flopping into buildings and stuff, it never feels like it has tactile. Yeah, it never yeah. feels like it has weight and it is affecting things Which the way that, like, even Doctor Octopus's gonna, yeah, tentacles gonna, do. Going to compare into Doctor Octopus, another yeah. Sam Raimi creature creation, yeah. and yeah, that that's really scary. It did a lot of yeah. like, the sound and the effects to make that. Yeah, feel when you watch real. the fight between Spider-Man and Doctor Octopus mm. either, on the tower is fine, but definitely on the elevated train, you see that like when they interact with physical objects they're interacting with even if it's cgi they did the effort to make it look like they actually landed and it made an impact and it wasn't just Um, a cgi thing falling on a thing and we don't need to go the full mm -hmm. nine like Feels pretty half-assed. No, half-acid. Half-assed. I said I was going half for half. I was going funny. for half-assed, haphazard, and I ended up going with half-acid. Half-acid. <laughs> it's a very half-acid movie. Uh, one last thing. There's been a little bit of, uh, mm. and again, this is like gleaned from social media. So make it that way, you will. But, okay. Um, uh, as to sort of the the roughness of the content of this movie, uh, oh, it's, it's, Sam Raimi comes. So we're saying from, it's a bit violent. It's a bit violent. Uh, it's it is a bit violent. A, a bit more than that. Yeah. It's it's has like scary like horror movie imagery in it. There's like sure. skeletons. And it's a, and more stuff. blood than you're yeah. probably expecting. Some no, people. No, not a lot some of people like, die in some pretty messed up ways. Yeah. Not not dead alive, but a little bit more hardcore I, than I, we're I used to. I, I would have appreciated dead alive. But yeah, so it's... would I, but let's, <laughs> I'm just saying, I want to, I want to be realistic. There's the people who die in some ways who are like, okay, actually that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, but a, it doesn't. It didn't blow me away with how terrifying it was. There's, a, there's a scene where the Scarlet Witch has has murdered uh, a robot, uh-huh. like, I guess wrecked a robot, and she comes in with like oil dripping down her face. It's like, yeah. just make that a guy and have it be blood. Why Please not? Please just do that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, uh, if you think that this should be rated R, for God's sake, please see more R-rated movies. Uh, <sighs> this is this is not pushing any kind of limits. Not really. It, no. I wouldn't take like a sensitive 10 year old to see this movie. No, I think, uh, I think it's PG-13. Thir- spooky stuff. People it, forget PG-13 doesn't mean everyone 13 should see it. It means you should use parental, parental guidance, guidance yeah. if your kid is under, is over, is under 13 because there may be some stuff in there that they're not ready for. We forget that that has a meaning, mm-hmm. that, that that's there for a reason. I would listen, if this movie was submitted to the MPA, which is now just the MPA mm-hmm. not the MPAA, uh, a, an organization which sucks. An organization which watch, has watch Kirby Dick's documentary at some oh, point. Please do. It's called well, the, uh, this, this film is not yet rated. Yeah, it's called this film is not yet rated. It's incredible Damn. and it really ex- and it's old now, but it still relates. Um, the, the MPAA, the ratings board, is inherently flawed. Uh, Arguably they, they corrupt, have, like they're we, just weird standards that they don't even hold themselves. Yeah, to. Yeah, it's like it's it's absolute bullshit the way that they handle pretty much everything. Um, if they had submitted this to the MPA and the MPA had come back and said, "Oh, we thought about it, we think it's an R," I would be like, "Yeah, you're being a little harsh, but okay, I see why you got that." 
And, and you can always appeal it. And you, and you can. And a bigger studio can usually get away with it because they're a big studio and they have a lot of money. Uh, uh, but uh, the... the it, they, they gave this a PG-13 and I'm like, yeah, it's a hard PG-13. Like, it's definitely not like... A mild PG thirteen. People die. Yeah. Uh, there's some there's some monster stuff in here that could be a little scary for little kids. But yeah, it's on the PG thirteen wavelength. Yeah. And, well, um, and give, given that, sort of the yeah. what was and wasn't permitted in PG rated films historically. Uh, yes. Yeah. This, this is a, I, this could be a PG rated film. Well, like I saw people like posting like, "Hey, look at all this stuff that was from PG movies," and they all, all those, pick, but they'll pick stuff from movies from before PG before PG thirteen was a thing. Yeah. So like that's the reason PG thirteen existed because movies like Poltergeist really fucking pushed the limit. Uh, uh, Gremlins and uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah, we're, we're big ones. We're known as are often credited as being like the two big films that kind of yeah. warranted PG thirteen like, rating. This, this, this is a little harsh for kids. Yeah, Maybe we was... come up with something in between PG and R. Curiously, they haven't re-rated those movies. I know they're still rated. They don't. PG. They don't. They don't. Uh, yeah. they, they don't. They only. They would only do it if they were resubmitted, and That's they're not going to bother. Um, so they're just yeah. not. Oh gonna god, bother. then don't. Yeah, don't resubmit. Yeah, there's no point. I know they did that with. Um, Certain films that got X rated. Oh yeah, Midnight Cowboy, Midnight Cowboy was, was originally Clark, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, those well. were both originally X rated, and they both, without any changes, are now usually considered R rated. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, here's what I'm going to say about that. Uh, I think to point out that this is a little unusually violent for a Marvel movie is fair. Okay. It's, it's a little harsher than a typical Marvel movie, and it's definitely leaning a little bit more into some horror-type stuff that if you're used to taking your little kids and you're surprised at how harsh it is, yeah, fair. And uh, we should probably warn you if you're worried about stuff that will give your little kids nightmares. There may be a couple of things in here for little kids. Uh, most kids are probably going to be fine with this. There's a lot of really intense stuff already in the MCU. You saw Thor decapitate a defenseless Thanos, and you were fine with it. <laughs> this is... Along similar lines. Uh, so, but yeah, if it's worth pointing out it's a bit violent, sure. Is it, are, are they saying it's irresponsible not to give this an R? No. No, not at all. Because that system is broken anyway, mm-hmm. and we probably don't even need it anymore. But anyway. I'm, I'm, um, I'm thinking it's like, oh, this is really, this should have been rated R. It's like, no. Okay, if you're going to rate it R. Yeah. Uh, ha- go nuts then. Yeah. Ha- so, now we have an excuse. This is go crazy. Have, have people commit acts of cannibalism? God. I would love uh, that. Go uh, to the cannibal yeah. MCU. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, well, they did that in the comics. To... They did Marvel zombies where like all the superheroes were bitten by zombies and they started no. because and all no, of a sudden no, no, and all of a sudden this. Thor is a zombie and he's eating everybody and no one can do anything because he's Thor. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fucked up. Not it's zombies. Great. Just cannibals. Just cannibals. Just cannibals. Just for fun. Yeah, get some cannibals. Okay. There's have, definitely that universe out there. Say a bunch of cusses. Uh, have characters fuck each other. That'd be nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, Doctor Strange is also addicted to heroin. Like, just and all of, <laughs> all, just put all the rough Jesus stuff in there. Christ. Okay. Please, gonna, please, I beg of you. Do something. Get a little bit more daring with this shit. We're gonna move on. Uh, it is uh, time to review some movies. Yeah. On the critically acclaimed scale, uh, here's how we do it. We review movies on a scale of C- minus to C+. Plus. Uh, where C is average, you know, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Some audiences will like it more than others. Most movies are somewhere around a C. Mm-hmm. Uh, C- minus is below average. That means we don't particularly care for it. We don't recommend it. Uh, we think it's a bad movie. We may think it's absolutely awful, but anywhere in that spectrum, boom, C-. minus. And then C- plus is above average. We genuinely like this movie. We recommend this movie. We think this movie is great. Anywhere in that zone, mm-hmm. boom, you get a C+. Plus. Whitney, let's work backwards. How did you feel about Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse uh, of Madness on I, the critical I, scale? I don't hate it. I'm not spiteful about it, but I'm going to get it a C-. Minus. Yeah. I don't think it functions very well as a film. I think there's a lot of yeah. fun, colorful stuff in it, and as we mentioned... 
those little fleeting moments of Raimi craziness are indeed fun. Uh, yeah. But I want the whole movie to be that. I don't want it to be like three or four little isolated incidents throughout yeah. this big, messy, otherwise not very interesting movie. Yeah, so I'm, I'm giving it a C minus. Yeah, I'm torn because, like, as I said, you know, we we emphasize the criticism because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, but it wasn't like I wasn't enjoying myself at all in the theater. Mm. I had some fun. Yeah. But here's the deal. I'm going to spend most of my life not watching the movie. <laughs> I'm going to spend most of my life doing other things and the movie will be a memory. And my memory is tainted by all the things I didn't like about it. That yeah. bothered me afterwards. Uh, and as a result, yeah, if I watch this, if this is on TV sometime and I watch some of it, I'll probably have some fun. Uh-huh. But I don't think it's a good movie. So I'm going to give it a very high C-. minus. Like, it's a C minus technically, but I don't hate it. I just don't think it works. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, uh, we've got Happening, uh, which mm-hmm. is a big old C plus. Uh, it's one of the best films of the year. Certainly. It's, it's at really, least so far. Really great. It's one of those I things where. C+. It's one of those things where, again, it's May. It's the beginning of May. The year is pretty early. Uh, so it's too early to say this is on the top 10 best films of the year. But as I'll say in any situation like this, uh, if we get 10 better films than this. It's mm. going to be a really good year for cinema. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But right now, Happening is one of the must-see movies of the year. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, we're all going to the World's Fair. Uh, I also give that a C+. Okay. Uh, it is It is really uh, knowing and contemplative about a certain kind of dark mindset that I think is uh, really familiar to everybody, but also very unique to uh, sort of online life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it actually has a lot to say, and I think it's really, really fascinating in all of its sort of quieter, scarier moments. Awesome. Well, I'll have to check that out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got the order wrong, but whatever. Uh, the next one is The Twin, a uh, new uh, mm-hmm. creepy kid movie on Shudder. Uh, it is a very well-crafted, despite being rather formulaic. Um, I think they get away with it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think Teresa Palmer carries it well. I think it's mostly pretty creepy. And although the ending is a little predictable, I thought they did a pretty good job of surprising me with which predictable ending they chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to give it a a really solid high C. Nice. Just competent, well-made. I'd like to see more from these people, but mm-hmm. this in and of itself is not a, it's not a classic. Yeah. And then lastly, the animated film Marmaduke on Netflix uh, is an A+. Just an absolute <laughs> stunner of a motion picture. No, it's a C minus. It's, it's it's a really, 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 really not good movie. It's not funny. Uh, it's not creative. It's just a whole big splat of nothing. I'm, I'm, and really, and the, the Owen Wilson film is. I remember almost nothing about it hmm. except that it's better than this. <laughs> like it's an it's an actual. Uh, it feels like a real film. I'll say this. Um, yeah. I'm not going to dismiss a Marmaduke movie out of no, hand. No, nor would I. That's why uh, I watched I, it. I, I, uh, I'm a critic. I don't dismiss movies out of hand. Yeah. And any movie could possibly be great. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with making a movie out of Marmaduke. Why not? One of the best movies. It could have been great. One of my favorite movies was based mm. out of a comic strip. Skippy mm. from the 1930s. That's it's based great on movie. a newspaper comic strip. Yeah. yeah, you can totally do it. Why not? Mm. Uh, there's no reason one of the best movies ever made could be based on Garfield. Yeah. Could be based on Marmaduke. Could Why be not? based on Heathcliff. It's it's a tall order, but yeah. go for it. Try. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm not going to say it's bad because it's based on Marmaduke. Mm-hmm. But you're not shocked, are you? I'm not surprised that it's not good, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's not very good. I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it. Like, I was, I was about to. Uh-huh. You said we should I, talk about this. Well, I you you said I have time to watch one more movie before I record. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, here's the deal. 
it's bad, but we'll have a fun conversation about Marmaduke. And it, and it you, turned out to be a lot shorter than the one I chose. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised. Mm. I, I, I there's there's, look, a, there's something there's a line of said. Give it a choice between the animated Marmaduke movie uh-huh. and the uh, a little bit more intense Finnish horror film. I'm going to go with the Finnish horror film. I understand. But here's what I'm going to say, and this is something I've said before about film criticism, mm. uh, and uh, that is if you're fully committed to film criticism, uh, if you're taking it seriously as as a career, a job, a path, mm. uh, it becomes a full contact sport. Yeah. And Marmaduke is a great example of that, where you're, we're 45 minutes into Marmaduke, and you have absolutely no goddamn idea of how this is going to be any longer than it is, and it's halfway through it. Mm. And you're seriously thinking to yourself, I could have gone big in an accountant. Like... This this is when it gets hard, <laughs> really, is. because any sane so, person would have turned it off by now. Yeah, no, any no. sane person would have turned it off, but that's not the job. We're, we're professionals. We have to yeah. have to watch the whole thing. Anyway, next week we'll be back with new reviews of movies like Firestarter. Yeah, they did a remake mm-hmm. of Firestarter that almost nobody knows about. They barely <laughs> they've barely advertised it at all. Remember when they remade Jacob's Ladder? Oh God, I I reviewed that. Yeah, that was terrible <laughs> such or, a waste or, of michael Ealy. flatliners when they remade I, I reviewed that too that was also terrible yeah. despite a really good cast <clears throat> um so yeah they got that there's also uh a uh, a new film uh from escal vote uh called the innocence which i'm really excited about and, and, and there's another new uh, film on shutter called the sadness which i want to say it's a t- i think it's from taiwan okay we need to go because i think whitney desperately needs a I, I glass think, of water yeah, i think my uh my, my voice is a little bit shy okay so we're gonna wrap this up thank you everybody for listening uh if you want to join in the conversation you can always email us our email address is letters at critically acclaimed.net we'd love to hear from you if you have any counterpoints or anything else you want to talk to us about uh, we might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Uh, mail, mail us a physical letter. Uh, send it to P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yes, you can also follow us on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. We also have a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where we have a lot of exclusive shows. Uh, including uh, all our yesterdays, where we're reviewing every single episode of Star Trek in order, only the best. We're reviewing every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We do commentary tracks. We have uh, trivia nights that where we hang out with mm-hmm. our patrons and do movie trivia. Uh, so you can totally join us there. We'd love to have you. That's patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. And I think that's about everything. We will see you next week. Until then, never forget, everyone's a critic. I'm sorry, what? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co